Now it's your turn to figure out how to start this episode. <sighs> I wish <laughs> I remember. What did we do on the last one? We just kind of shambled into it. That's right. Shambled? Well, you must have enjoyed The Expendables, and you're back for more with The Expendables 2. I'm Mike Olson. That's a very presumptuous beginning. (laughs) I'm Mike Olson. I'm Kevin Keene. You obviously enjoyed our last episode. I'm Kevin Keene. Today we're discussing The Expendables 2, released by Lionsgate Films on August 17th, 2012, starring Sylvester Stallone, Jason Statham, Jet Li, Dolph Lundgren, Chuck Norris, Terry Crews, Randy Kuchar, Liam Hensworth, this is a long uh, cast list. <laughs> Scott Adkins, Yunnan, also Jean-Claude Van Damme with Bruce Willis and Arnold Schwarzenegger, written by Sylvester Stallone and David Wank, directed by Simon West. That credit list is going to be even longer for Expendables 3. But, uh, oh, man, the, and, I, and I have to do Expendables 3. Well. That's, that's true. Get ready for a long list. That cracked me up when I would see Expendables 3 uh, billboards, and it was just the line of dudes, and it was like 20 <laughs> guys. You couldn't even see who they are because there's <laughs> so many of them. They were just so small in the frame. It's like a LinkedIn profile photo is all they can put up there is the yeah, size of it. tiny li- little faces. I also have never seen an also credit. That's new. Uh, I have not either. Also Jean-Claude Van Damme. Like, do you think he insisted on some kind of special credit? Maybe it's for a payback because, uh, you know, the way Predator didn't work out for him, he wanted to make sure that he got something special in, in The Expendables too. I don't know. To make sure he's ahead of Arnold, I guess. Yes. And with some, when, it's just a with for Bruce Willis and Arnold Schwarzenegger. He got an also. Yeah. Well, with is pretty common in terms of, like, if it's a big star who has a small role, you do with so-and-so. But also, honestly, it seems like it makes him seem like an afterthought. Also this guy. Also Jean-Claude. Well, what it should be is also with a guy who most of his scenes are wearing sunglasses riding in a car. Yeah, that's true. Oh, there's a ton of them. And I remember that when we... And walking purposefully. He's very good at walking purposefully. He is. Like a crowd of dudes around. uh, Let me uh, me not correct myself, but I like Jean-Claude Van Damme in this and as the villain, but there just were a lot of scenes and I kept making notes of, oh, here's another one. It's just cut to Jean-Claude riding shotgun right now wearing sunglasses. Yeah. There's about four or five of them in this movie. Well, when, he, when he takes his sunglasses off, it's almost kind of shocking. It's just like, whoa, now I see why you were wearing those. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, you know, no offense. I, mean, I don't know if he had any work done, but I wouldn't be surprised because time has weathered your once youthful <laughs> looks. He doesn't look bad. It's just kind of, I mean, maybe it's because you don't see his eyes much. It's just like, oh, right. Jean-Claude made him his eyes, I guess. That that all said, Jean-Claude and his also aside, I had forgotten. I have not seen this in a long time. I forgot how much fun this movie really is. It's a lot of fun. It I is. agree. The, my one memory of seeing this in the theater with you is the opening sequence going on. And it was not that full. It was probably like 50, 60 people in the yeah, theater. Yeah, there weren't a lot. Not a ton. And I just remember you cackling at that sequence. You were laughing harder than I've ever seen anyone laugh at any movie. This isn't even a comedy. And you were laughing so hard. And people were like looking back like, what's going on with those guys? Why are they laughing so much? I mean, I was laughing too. Like You, you were laughing so much it was making me laugh. I, I can tell you that I laughed almost as much watching it. In particular, how absurd the knock-knock is on 
the steel girder that is essentially attached to that truck. Yeah. Well, there's multiple stencils. I, I have a note about, like, I wonder who on the Expendables team got way into stencils in between movies. Because they stencil a bunch of stuff. Uh, I, so, you know where my money would be? What Did, did you did you have a prediction on that? I, I don't have any speculation. I do have the list of things they stenciled on their vehicles. But my my speculation would be, it, was very, it seems like it would be therapeutic. And so, I, I think Gunner <laughs> is the one who probably took it up. You know what? I agree with you. That's a very good... I didn't really think about it much, but I think... You know, <laughs> I think that's very sound logic. Yeah, the, the, the battering ram says knock, knock, and then on the front of Stallone's vehicle, it says shock and awe. Uh, one of them says bad attitude. <laughs> on the back, it says coming soon. I remember that. <laughs> Which I, Did they use that in the trailer? I forgot to check the trailer. I, didn't, I did not watch the trailer on this. I, what I didn't remember, because my first note here is I just said this opening. I, I remembered how much I loved it. But I didn't remember the Mad Max vehicles. I'm like, when did this movie become Mad Max? Well, they're mercenaries. They got to cobble together or whatever kind of vehicles they can. Do you really? I mean, that seems like it would have taken a long time to assemble those vehicles and then be able to drive in reverse with a kettle catcher. Yeah. Well, I I don't know why they put it on the back. Like, that's the weird part. It's like, if you're going to put a cattle catcher. Put it on the front. Why do you got to spin it around and drive backwards? I'm not not sure I understand the point of that. That's what they did in the movie The Last Stand, right? Just plowed right through those cop cars. Yeah, because there's a motorcycle on the front, which they do use, but it's like, put the motorcycle on the back and put the cow catcher on the front. Why? I mean, that would be the logical places to put those things. I guess Stallone just wanted to do a spin and drive in reverse for a while. It, it must be. My second note on this is just what an opening. The opening sequence to this is amazing. It's pretty amazing. Just You've got a, the motorcycle you talked about used to bring down a helicopter. I mean, there's so many great moments in this opening. Yeah. It's one thing I thought about watching it this time. I never really thought about it. I'd be curious if you can think of any other movies that are like this where there's a giant, preposterous action sequence in the front. Way past cartoonish. Just like ridiculous, which is unrealistic, a, just fun. You which know, is silliness. the reason why I was laughing the way I was in oh, theater. I agree. I love this opening sequence. And then it has a similar sequence at the end where it's just crazy, oh, it's, over the top. It's not, insane. It's insane. Both sequences are insane. Yes. And sandwiched in the middle of those two sequences is a relatively realistic and kind of like muted like not somber almost yeah, yeah. Well, I yeah mean, maybe not somber i mean it's very it's it's almost like a comedy there's still there's a ton of comedy in it yeah you know but it's but it's like it's a pretty plausible movie like almost a thriller in the middle yeah and i was trying to think like is there any other movie like that where it's just like bookends of craziness and then in the middle is like okay here's your plot you know like, what it you know what it feels like a little bit although i don't know about the opening being as crazy but like s- some of the captain america marvel movies have like the middle sequence where the plot is that's very plausible in particular uh winter soldier which i think is probably the best of all the marvel movies i just don't remember and it's never going to be this cartoonish in in a marvel movie but it feels well, well it is but they're ta- they're taking it seriously like yes. you can tell the filmmakers here are not taking those two action sequences seriously they're just no not at all they don't care to ha- make it like real Whereas I think the Captain America, I'm thinking about the ending of Winter Soldier, and there's a lot of crazy stuff happening there, but they're trying to make it feel like this is real and this is important, and oh my God. I guess you're you're right. I guess you're right. You know what I mean? Like in these two action sequences in this movie, it's like, you know, everything is going to, the good guys are going to win. Because at no point is the movie trying to make you worry about them. Uh, (laughs) You're worried about the villains more than anything. And maybe an innocent bystander, maybe. But yeah. other than that, you're right. At no point in time do you think anybody on, on the Expendables team is in peril, ironically, other than what in that middle section that sets up basically the rest of the plot. Right, exactly. The That's one it. death happens in the part that is the, like, the thriller, the realistic part. Yeah. 
at no point is anybody in danger. In the parts where like hundreds of people are dying, are there, everyone's perfectly safe. And you've watched it more recently than me. Are there any any of the Dalton, Brosnan, or more Bond movies that might have a crazy opening, a crazy end, and kind of a somewhat you know realist? I, I'm thinking maybe more Roger Moore than than any of the other Bonds. Yeah, I mean, most of the time they have some kind of a. They pepper in a lot of action sequences in the middle. Yeah. I don't. I'm none of the Roger Moore action sequences are nearly as big and bombastic as. I mean, obviously it's a different. It was a different time. Yeah, but like I don't. I think the, probably the biggest action sequence in a Roger Moore movie is the end of The Spy Who Loved Me. And the beginning is just him skiing off a cliff. Yeah, it's not really. I guess you're the same I, kind of thing. I, I'm I'm grasping at straws here, trying to think of something, but on the fly, I can't. I couldn't think of anything. I mean, there is the Chuck Norris scene in the middle. Is there's a lot of like death and destruction, but it's totally played for laughs. Yes, one hundred percent. You know, and not in the same way of like it's just like it's almost not an action sequence. No, it's I, just them quipping each other. You know, it, it basically is just a bunch of guys getting mowed down. There, there's no stakes whatsoever. It's it is a hundred percent for a joke, a, a zinger, yeah. nothing else. Right. Including the ultimate zinger at the end of that action sequence. We'll get there. We shouldn't get too out of sequence. All right, that's fair. um, A couple things I just want to mention before we get into details. First of all, I discovered, and I don't know if you knew this, I didn't know this until I was editing our last episode, that I guess there's an Expendables director's cut of the first movie. I didn't know that. I didn't know it either, and so I I wanted to watch it and report on it for this episode, but I didn't get around to it. So I'm going to try to watch it. I mean, don't, I'm, don't I'll, hold I'll you do it. it. Yeah, I'll do it so you don't have to. Like, right. Don't worry about it. But like, I, I'm curious to see it. I saw a clip on YouTube, and it looks pretty different. Really? And I guess Interesting. General, the general internet consensus is that it's a little better. Okay. Like, maybe not great, but a little better. So I'm curious to see it. I can't it. be nearly as much fun as this yeah. one. And then secondly, comparing this movie's plot to Expendables 1, even though you know we were saying that it's kind of more the middle section, the plot section is a little more like realistic and down-to-earth, Compared to the first movie, this plot, I, I don't understand it. You know, the first movie, the CIA was propping up a dictator. One of their own turned on them. They wanted to take him out. They hired these mercenaries because they couldn't go through the military, whatever. Yeah. It's pretty straightforward. And you understand what's happening. Here, what the hell's going on? There's the idea that the Chinese had a map to a Russian mine in Albania, <laughs> right? Full of plutonium. Isn't that the idea? I think, yes. And then... Jean-Claude Van Damme, Villain, right? That's yes. A, in, in the tradition of Stallone naming yeah. his characters. But I love that one. Villain is such a great name for a villain. Yes. Villain. That's his name. <laughs> um, but Villain is after... Hey, he's a bad guy. <laughs> right? Villain. Villain. I love that. That's like, you know, oh, usually I... Stallone's names are stupid. <laughs> Thumbs up, Stallone. Yes. I, love, I love the name Villain. Um, <laughs> but his, his men already control this mine, and they've been searching through it forever, right? It's, so it's like, oh no, he's going to get this map. It's like he's he's going to find the plutonium eventually, right? It's just a matter of how quickly. I think that they they controlled the area. I didn't think they they necessarily knew where it was within like this that country. Oh really? Yeah, I, I thought I, they knew it was in the mine because hadn't they been stealing villagers to go into the mine and work the mine? Or like for a certain period of time prior to for the movie a, starting. For a period of time, but that's what I got is I didn't know if they necessarily knew what mine. I assumed that there was oh. more than like one mine that they were working in, but maybe not. Maybe it was just one giant mine. Okay, maybe that seems more plausible to me then if that's the case. Because I mean, I, the, the whole time I'm going like, who cares about this map? Jean Claude Van Damme has control over a mine full of plutonium, and he's going to find it eventually. Yeah, that that I I will grant you that if it was just one mine, then. 
It yeah. makes no sense, other than maybe you know he wanted to speed up the process because he wanted his money faster. Yeah, I thought. And it here's was why, though. Mind, but... He may have had money problems. Let me get to one of my bigger picture. Whatever your body count is, and I have to imagine it is insane. Well, Just I... from that ending sequence, I, I mean, watching it, I'm like, oh my god! The first movie was 161. You think over oh, or under? The, it might be double, I, and I'm I don't <laughs> okay. feel like that's hyperbole. <laughs> okay. So with that. Almost all of those bodies are Valane's men. The burn rate that he must have. That's a good point. I mean, what was the army uh, in? Well, it wasn't Valeria. Valena. Valena. <laughs> it was like 600, right? I, I think Van Damme might have more than 600 miles to feed. I, I can't comment. We'll, call, we'll talk yeah, about the body count fine. at the end. So what my point <laughs> is, is you're, the question to you of like, well, if he just, if it was only a matter of time. Time might not have been on his side because he probably had some hungry mercenaries that needed to get fed. Well, if that's the case, then the expendables are giving him, they're helping him out because it's like, hey, fewer mouths to feed. They just came through and wiped out all his men. <laughs> now he doesn't have to worry about that expense. Well, it's true, but he's gone too. Well, eventually. Yeah. I mean, really what it comes down to, and I guess this is my problem with the, the larger picture of the plot. If Valane had not gone after that plane, he would have been fine because the expendables would have never known about him. You know, I mean, Bruce Willis would have recovered, and uh, and Maggie, they would have recovered that map, and be like, okay, we got the map. It's like, well, but Valane still would have found the plutonium eventually. It's just a matter of time, and the Expendables would have never known about him, assuming that he had enough money to pay for all those guys while while they were trying to find the plutonium. Yeah, I don't know how he's paying. That's for, what I'm for saying. I think I think Valane had a cash burn problem, and he needed to speed up the process. That's my. Uh, theory. Well, are these guys, are they a mercenary group? Yeah, that's uh, what I took it as. Really? Absolutely, yeah. Because I wasn't sure if it was that or if they're like some kind of cult. Because he talks about his goat tattoo. Is the symbol of the gods? It is of the, the pet devil. of yeah. Satan. <laughs> um, that's my Jean-Claude Van Damme, which was a terrible impression. But yeah, he's talking, he talks about the goat as the pet of Satan he, and they yeah, all have this he, goat tattoo. He likes symbols, but no, I thought that they're a mercenary group and that just happens to be what their symbol okay no so they're mercenaries yeah right? that, that's, that's like, not for that's not a real thing he's just kind of messing with them it's true and what i no, i think it is maybe real and that's just their unifying symbol but here's what i'll say is that i learned from the rock that mercenaries get paid and they want their money that's true so i'm not sure he has enough money to pay for all these guys i think that's the reason why he needs the map well i learned from dragnet that uh, pagans people <laughs> against goodness and normalcy they worship the goat and they'll follow uh a charismatic leader like Christopher Plummer without uh, any payment at all. So I all guess right. it's just two sides of that scale. So you just refuted, you just proved my theory wrong. Thank you. Well, I mean, I, it's, we each have our theory. I, I, don't can, think, I don't think we know which, which side they fall on. So I think some of the, there are some plot big picture issues that maybe we'll have to work through, but can we just get back to this opening? Cause there are, yeah, let's get into the opening. Oh, I mean, you've got airboats, you've got a bridge with an army getting destroyed on it. You have Jet Li finally getting his due in this sequence. Agreed. We, yeah, we, we hardly knew ye, Jet Li. Now knowing after our first, the, the first Expendables we did, what his background is, he deserved more time in this yeah, I wish, just I, to make up for the letdown in the first movie. Yeah, I assume he, had, he was filming some other movie and couldn't be in this one much because it's like he's gone right away. But yeah. at least he got a little bit. At least he got, to, he got to be in the sequence. Yes. This capital T, capital S, the sequence. At least he's around for that, because, yeah, I agree. That his little fight in the kitchen or whatever. Oh, it was great. Yeah, it's great. My impression is that they probably let him bring in his team from Hong Kong. Like, okay, you, Jet Li, you just you tell us what you want to do. Bring in your own guys. Set up the fight, because it does kind of feel... It feels much more like one of his movies. 
as opposed to the first movie where I'm sure Stallone just told him what to do and he was just like, well, he's the boss. I'm just going to... I'm getting paid, so... Yeah, that felt like Jet Li's fight. Like, yeah. he, he got to choreograph it, I'll bet. But no, this sequence is awesome. And it's kind of what we talked about last episode as far as like the action sequences in the first movie don't have much of a progression. It's just like guys shooting guys, running around shooting guys and throwing a grenade, shooting more guys, and there's not much to it. Whereas this sequence, it has stages and it... Absolutely. You know, and it's constantly changing and it's... You know, their assault on this facility feels totally different from them in there, like, looking around for their target, and then their escape feels totally different, and there's there's a jet ski chase at the end. You That's know? what I'm saying. There's airboats chasing them. I mean, the... the yeah, it's a lot just, of variety. Just this sequence has a ton of variety, but then the overall movie does. That That's what I think is... I, I don't know about impressive, but that's what makes sets this apart from the first one, is the variety of... At certain points, I kind of laugh because it's like, oh, well, we've had enough guns in this sequence. Now it's time for the knives to come out, and they just start using them. Yeah. And it almost felt like they were checking the box. Oh, we've, we got too many gun deaths. We need, to, we need to get the body count up with knives. But I did appreciate the, the stages of kind of action sequences within each one of these kind of stepped it up as it went along. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it only goes a pretty short amount of time with a certain type of action. You know, it'll only go like maybe 45 seconds of like gunfire and then it's like, here's something else. Here's, you know, Terry Crews firing a rocket and going crazy. It's yes. you know, stuff like that. And you've got Billy the Kid, the new guy, comes along and he's a sniper who takes off guys' heads. Yeah. Another Stallone, classic Stallone name, Billy the Kid. <laughs> that one's less good, but whatever. I mean, but Villain, your thumb's still up. Yeah, on I, li- I like Villain. I mean, I can accept Billy the Kid and the fact that. That seems like a nickname that they gave him. Yeah. You know what I mean? His name is Billy. Plenty of people are named Billy. Like, I'm not going to fault. Well, will you s- wait a minute. Is it better or worse than Toll Road? <laughs> uh, I mean, it's better in that. I, I believe that someone would be called Billy the Kid in a mercenary group. Yeah. Someone would be, be given that nickname. Whereas Toll Road, it doesn't, even, it doesn't feel like a nickname that he would plausibly give himself. No. And it doesn't feel like a nickname that people would plausibly give to him. Like, in no world is anybody, for any reason, called Toll Road. So, I, do you have anything else on kind of this, this opening? Well, I did break it down into stages. I, I have, like, body counts broken up by on okay. the way in, and then on, in the inside sequence, and then on the way out. See, in our first episode, you didn't give the interim count. Um, we waited till the end, but I'm more than happy if you've got interim counts. Well, I want to do this because here's the reason. 54 bodies on the drive-in... <laughs> 16 while they're inside the facility. That's 70 by my count. And then 99 during this, the escape, giving a total of 169. <laughs> just, just in this sequence, we are 14 minutes into this movie, you're already past the first movie. That is insane. It's insane. Are you serious? How serious. many on the way out? 99. 99 on the well, way out? Because you, did you count like the bridge? It's that bridge. That bridge is most that, of them. Can I just say that bridge is amazing. I, I love that they, they destroy a bridge literally with an army sitting there waiting. Now we're just going to kill them all. <laughs> the army doesn't seem that concerned. They're firing cannons. And they're, they, those, I mean, that's a well-trained army. They do not hold. They, yeah, they hold their ground. They, they watch Braveheart too many times, and they're just holding right there. <laughs> yeah. If I, once I saw that first cannon shot miss, I'd be like, all right, <laughs> let's get out of here. We can shoot them from the shore. We don't have to stand on this bridge, do we? I mean, there were a couple, like, emplacements. It's like, okay, those aren't going to go anywhere. But the rest of those guys, like, literally just lined up, you know, in a single file line. I did have one question. So I know it, it seems to be required in any movie, definitely an action movie, and there's a plane that needs to ascend, that weight needs to be dropped. But can I ask you this? 
They came there with those jet skis. Mm-hmm. So that weight should have always been accounted for. <laughs> it, it makes no sense. I mean, <laughs> they take a zip line down to a boat. That boat has jet skis on the boat. They ditch the boat and get into the jet skis. They drive the jet skis into the plane, then ditch the jet skis. Meanwhile, Stallone and Statham, they went straight to the plane. Right. So why didn't they all just go to the plane? Your plane is also a boat. You know, wherever, whatever path Statham and Stallone took to get to the plane, they all could have done that and they could have saved themselves a lot of trouble. It, they didn't need you. to get in this boat chase. Yeah. They get in a chase and then they're they're But he's, he's like, put away your toys. Like it was planned that those jet skis were supposed to come with them. Oh, I think the plan was always to get into the plane. I think the jet skis only were there so that they could get into the plane where the plane is in motion. So that they wouldn't have to stop the plane. All right. So you think that they always planned to dump the jet skis? Yeah, I think so. All right. You know, they don't need to take them with them. They're not, you know, they're not going to go for it. Everything is expendable with this team. Yes, those jet skis are very expendable. (laughs) Extremely. I will say, as fun as the sequence is, I could do without that moment of just like, oh, we got to pull up. I think the bridge exploding and killing all those guys, that's the climax of the sequence. Just take off and go. Like, that's the moment where everyone's going, yeah. And then you... Why had this moment? It's like, oh, no. I fully agree with you. The peril seems fake because none of these guys ever feel like they're really in danger other than the one sequence in the not-too-distant future. And it's a trope that seems like it's always in movies. And for this one, I got frustrated with the jet skis because to me, the way I was watching is they always intended or had those with them and planned to keep them. You're, I, I understand what you're saying, I mean, and you're yeah, probably they, right. They don't need them at that point. So. But the, the whole point is then the only reason they're in there is so they can have this moment, oh, we need to drop some weight. It's, it's in every movie that has that, that, that sequence of, oh, we're not going to make it. It's dumb. Yeah. Well, it's, I've never seen any movie that did an interesting twist on that moment of, like, a plane needs to pull up in time. The closest thing I can think of is uh, the sixth day because there was a helicopter. Arnold had to tuck his legs up. You know, it's like, so stupid. Uh, <laughs> but at least it's a little bit different as a helicopter. But, you know, there are so many movies that do this where it's just you know, and it's always the moment where it's like, oh no, we're gonna pull up and then cut to an angle where you can't see what's going on and it's like silent for a moment and then, <laughs> you know, every movie that does this, it's always the same, like almost like edited the exact same way, the same rhythms. There's never been an interesting twist on this kind of a thing. And for this one in particular, there's really no need because you're right because to me, I was all pumped up after that bridge got destroyed with an army on it. Yeah, the bridge. And apparently 99 guys were on that bridge. No. The, I, I know it wasn't I think that, wait, I've got it somewhere. I, I counted, what I did is I paused it and I counted all the guys on the bridge and you said they're all Gone. Well, no, two uh, to escape because I was watching very closely because I had to do this <laughs> damn body count, this insane body count. Off to the side, two guys are ah, and they all like, two guys off to the side run away. I, I want to know the story that those guys have to tell. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I was on that bridge that got destroyed. I mean, they're in charge now. They run that town. Everybody's dead. Yeah. So I've yeah, sixty six. Like you and me, the two cowards in the back. <laughs> right. That's how we started our podcast. That's the origin story of our podcast. (laughs) Two guys that escaped. We escaped Stallone's cannon. So yeah, I counted 66 guys on this bridge and then two escaped. So Stallone gets 64. I I, I gave those to Stallone. So when we get to the end, just keep that in mind. That's fair. He was firing. Well, he was, he was giving the order to fire the cannon and he was aiming. So, Um, but yeah, it's a great sequence. It's, it's really, really fun. Yeah. It's a great opening. And I do remember cackling, and I, I will, I'll maintain it. It's totally justified in what that opening is. Yeah. And then what I like here is that even though, and I hadn't seen the first one, so I didn't realize how big of a role Jet Li had in it. So I'm seeing this one for the, you know, the, the first time, and it's the first Expendables movie. I'm like, how does Jet Li have any billing in this movie? He literally was in it 
for three minutes, four minutes of screen time, maybe? Of just being on screen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, screen. this opening this sequence, sequence is, is like 15 minutes. 15. But I, I like that, you know, his, he even gets a good line, and you'll find another minority <laughs> to pick on, basically, <laughs> as he parachutes out. I mean, honestly, all around Jet Li, for as little as he's in it, fantastic. Well, I know he has another line that I, I, I know you would appreciate in particular. When he leaves and he goes, see you later, yeah. alligator. <laughs> yes. It's like, that's your line. You're the one who pitched that free racer instead I'm, of your luggage. I'm still mad about that and wish that I could go back and get a reshoot and a rewrite because that's the perfect line for a racer. It is. Well, I mean, Jet Li got it here. I mean, there's no alligators around, so it's not quite the same. But let's talk about Arnold in this sequence because we haven't talked about Arnold at all. He, he turns out he is this guy that we see. Yes, that's being held hostage. Yeah, he tried to save this Chinese billionaire. And failed, I guess. Yeah, do you think he had a team? He says, because uh, Stallone asked him, he's like, where's your team? And they're like, oh, he, Arnold says, oh, they're waiting for me outside of town or whatever. And that cuts to Terry Crews, and he gives, like, a dubious look. <laughs> so I think Terry Crews thinks that Arnold got all his, or, uh, got trench, all his guys killed. Got all his guys killed, and he's just lying. He's just trying to save face. <laughs> no, they're waiting for me. <laughs> I swear it. They're waiting for the right moment. Right? Like he, and, and, uh, somebody should call him out on the scene. Well, why didn't they come save you? <laughs> right, exactly. It's like, you're, I mean, I th- it's clear you're in danger. I think Trench got them all killed and doesn't want to admit it. <laughs> also, why doesn't he leave with them? I think it has something to do with the fact that he's afraid they're going to find, like, his dead team on the way or something <laughs> and, like, bring him to the Hague. I, who knows? Uh, <laughs> yeah, this, this, uh, I mean, what do you think about Arnold? In, he's, he's in this sequence and then he shows up at the end. Uh, I like him in the ending sequence better than this one. Yeah, I agree. This is his first movie back from Governor, I think? I, I think so, yeah. In a, a, a significant role. Anyway. Yeah, the, the Last Stand wasn't too far after this, so I think that he may have been filming The Last Stand at the same time yeah. as he was doing this, but I think The Last Stand was his first full movie back, and this came before well, that. Well, and we had a lot of praise for his performance in The Last Stand, you know, and I think we had said like it's, you wouldn't know that it was his first movie back. This movie, and in particular this sequence, uh, I want to play this just quickly because, you know, in Expendables 1 we played some really great acting. Yeah. And I want to play this because I think this is Arnold's worst performance. This scene in particular is Arnold's worst performance in his career. In his career? Yes. I mean, tell me I'm wrong. We're, if anyone's expert, it's us. So they, they find Arnold French? here. Oh, this is embarrassing. Yeah, sure is. What's he doing here? Saving this Chinese billionaire. Oh, yeah? In particular, funny. So his exchange we. with Terry Crews. We have a sketching problem, don't we? Cut me loose, Frankenstein. Don't get nuts, guys. That's pretty funny. Do it. <laughs> Where's the team? Waiting. I need See? a weapon. <laughs> <laughs> Terry Crews is yours. Whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, I, I talked over the My bad big part. My weapon's yeah, right good. where it is. Come on, Caesar, you got a backup. If I don't get this back, your ass is terminated. In your dreams. Trench, we got a way out. All right. It isn't, it isn't great. I, 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 I talked over the worst them. line, which is him going, I need a weapon. A big one. Yours. <laughs> it's, it's very wooden, I think, his delivery of that line. I, I, I think the sequence at the end is far better than, than this. Yeah, he's but, better at the end. But you, you, there's some rust, without a doubt. There's some rust there. Yeah. And right there is our first uh, fourth wall break with you're terminated. And, uh, they save most of those kinds of jokes for the end, but there's their first one here. Just, they had to sneak in a, a you're terminated. Yeah, it, it's okay. I, I didn't, I'm disappointed I didn't notice Terry Crews' look because that, that is pretty funny that he just doesn't buy it. I, I'm not wrong, right? No. He gives a look like, I don't think he's telling the truth. <laughs> like he's, he's very, very dubious in that moment. But anyway, you want to move on to the they, they, uh, fly back. 
They drop off the Chinese billionaire with uh, with Yin Yang. We, <laughs> yes. Lest we forget that his name is Yin Yang. Uh, and so we do get, I thought she was in this more, but you get a little more Charisma Carpenter. Very little, though. Yeah, in, in the this. bar. Real quickly before we move on to the bar, there's a shot of Dolph Lundgren in the plane on the way back that makes me laugh. And I just want to point it out to you, and I'll, I'll explain why in a minute. So, uh, uh, by the way, I like Dolph Lundgren a lot more in this in this movie than you know. What's weird though is I remember seeing this the first time I saw Expendables two because I had seen Expendables one. I'm going like, why are they trusting this guy? He betrayed them in the last movie, but it didn't bother me much this time. And I agree, like, he's pretty good in this movie. He's very funny. Like, he, right. he, you wouldn't expect him to be the comic relief. No, and he I know, is. I know, I know. We had said uh, in Kindergarten Cop two that. He wasn't really the best comedic actor, but uh, yeah, I, I think he's... He wasn't carrying that movie. There was too much to try and do, but for this, just for a moment here and there of being lurch, etc., I think it works. Yeah. So th- there's a shot. It's the last shot of the sequence where they're flying back, and uh, there, this shot, this just makes me laugh, this pose, and I'm, I like, couldn't quite figure out why, and then I realized... You should describe what the pose is, so but the, he's, he's like swigging some booze or something, right, from a flask? Yeah, Jet Li's just dropped out, and so there's like wind blowing his hair up, and he's yeah. like looking down through the hole, and he's drinking He's, he's drinking some out of a flask or whatever. This, it, it, it looks so much like Lloyd Bridges in Airplane <laughs> when he was sniffing, oh when he's sniffing glue and was upside down. Stop it, it's, you're right. And I put the two side by side, and here you go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna put. The, I'm gonna make this our podcast artwork. I could not skip this. <laughs> I, I figured at least you would appreciate this. His hair looks the same. He's holding the flask like just like Lord Bridges is holding the glue. He's like oh. making the same expression almost with his yes. eyes and everything. It's so similar. So anyway, I and the thing is, I've seen airplanes so many times, and if you. I'm glad you recognize it. I wouldn't have come up with it on my own, but that even without the picture. You just saying it, I immediately had it in my mind. I know exactly what you're talking about. It took about. me a while because I'm going like, this is reminding me of something that's really making me laugh, but I like couldn't quite, like my, my brain was going, this is funny. And then my conscious side is going like, I'm not sure why it's funny. Why is this funny? And I'm it's like, I gotta, because, I must figure oh. this out. Yeah, it's the best. <laughs> because an airplane is still a movie I love. Lloyd Bridges is one of my favorite parts, and that probably is my of all of the sequence of drinking methamphetamines <laughs> and sniffing glue, yeah. leading up to one of my favorite lines that I still use. It's headed right for us. <laughs> right. He dives out the window. He jumps out the window. It's so great. I need to watch Airplane again. I, gra- um, I, I pulled out the DVD for the first time like in years to get the screen grab, but uh, I'm going to have to watch it. Oh, thank you for absolutely making my evening. I figured you would bridges. appreciate that. Oh. If anybody would appreciate it, it would be you. Very much so. All right, yeah, let's move on to the bar. Like, like, Charisma Carpenter, we talked about this last episode, and I couldn't remember. If, like, I knew there was something. Yeah, the, the big thing was she was a recurring um, a recurring character on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and then she was on the spinoff show. That was what she's probably most famous for. Sure. But why is she... What's the point of this? What, in this movie? Yeah. I don't know. Especially this one, because Lee doesn't seem to have... I, I didn't feel like he had as much screen time. No. And they spent a lot in the first one of him like building his backstory. So I felt like they just wanted to continue, but... I also think it was to set up the joke that he's constantly on the phone or getting messages from her. I guess that's true, because, yeah, I was saying this is the only scene, but, yeah, it does come up later. It comes up, but she's not in the scene. She's just on the 
Yeah, he's getting calls. Getting calls and texts or whatever. Yeah, which you'd think he'd shut off his ringer. He's on a mission. You would think so. I guess he's, well, he's so badass. He, it doesn't matter. He doesn't need the element of surprise. That's true. Yeah, that's a sign of fear that he's if he's muting his yeah. ringer. It's like, I don't it would have been great when he was dressed up as the priest. Actually, if his phone stood going <laughs> off just before it. Yeah. I mean, because it was so obvious. Well, it wasn't obvious that it was necessarily him, but it was so obvious in that sequence that they were disguised. It would have been great if that was the giveaway that his phone started going off. I disagree because then you lose the line. I don't want to lose his line. All right. I now pronounce you man and knife is my favorite thing ever. <laughs> We've jumped way ahead, but let's talk about it because it's my favorite. That's thing. your favorite thing ever? It's my favorite thing in this movie for sure. Really? I think that a one-liner <laughs> and a, man and knife. A one-liner in a movie, it's very hard to find the right balance of stupid and clever. If I'm going to paraphrase uh, Spinal it, Tap. That's a fine line between <laughs> <laughs> it is a fine line. I mean, what it, here's what it really is: is I think a one-liner that's that's not stupid enough, it doesn't work. It needs to be a certain level of stupid. It's true, you know. It's like a bell curve, and I think I now pronounce you man and knife is the peak of the bell curve. It's the exact perfect proportion of stupid and clever. It's great. Oh, it's funny. I did not call it. I mean, I like it, but I did not. I didn't even make a note on it. It's the one thing that sticks in my mind. You know, I hadn't watched this movie in five years, and that's the one line I remembered and wow. will never forget is I so, don't pronounce you man and knife. What's funny, from that scene and that sequence, what I have is that I, I want to know, do you think somebody could write, the, it's not the transporter, but I don't know what the title is, but an hour and a half movie of Jason Statham as just a vengeful priest that he's constantly going around like in, in the cloak and killing people as a priest. Oh, I'm sure that <laughs> you could do that. I mean, the Assassin's Creed movie is kind of that. If they'd cast him as that guy, I didn't actually see it, but I, I assume it's that. A guy I noticed that I, was up on HBO. I, I thought about. I watched the first five minutes and I was so bored. I turned it off. <laughs> oh, but it's just a guy in a hood killing people with knives. That's. I mean, that's what the video game is, and I assume that's what the movie is. All right. So yeah, I'm sure you could make a movie like that. Okay. He's literally a priest of you know. That's what that's what I envision is him just going around and. Is is uh, I want to say I've never seen it, but I want to say the movie Hobo with a Shotgun. Uh, he was a priest, like a <laughs> former priest or something. Maybe I'm wrong. I've never that. seen a hobo oh. with a shotgun. Oh, I know what I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of Cheech Marin in Machete. He's a priest. Oh. He's like that's like a Catholic priest. That's yeah. a little different. Not, a little... He's not a monk or something. Right. Whatever uh, Jason Statham is. Yeah, there are movies that will <laughs> killer priests. They definitely yeah, but exist. I, I want Jason Statham as that killer priest. Yeah, I, I, agree. I told you. I, I don't. Somehow I'm I'm going to watch a Statham movie. I'm becoming kind of a. A fan. I've heard uh, in the because I agree. I want to check some out. I think the mechanic movies apparently they say are very good. All right, so they're they're better than the Charles Bronson mechanic. I've never seen the Charles Bronson mechanic, but the first one is a remake of that. Okay, and I think there was a sequel. I don't. I don't think there was a second Charles Bronson mechanic, no. but they made a sequel to the Statham one. All right, I've heard. I've heard those are good, but I don't know. I'm gonna watch those. Then. It's hard to keep them straight because he made the transporter. He made the mechanic. It's just like I don't know. They seem what, which is which. But uh, here's the thing: I feel bad because that movie might have been good, and it's like current action movies I haven't kept up with. And you had to get me to watch the John Wick movies. I I don't know. I it didn't click with me. And when I watched them, I'm like, I'm an idiot. These were a lot of fun. John Wick, you mean? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I think. I feel like action movies today, they all feel like kind of mid-tier. You know, there's no Terminator 2s anymore. There's no, like, no. this is a big phenomenon. Even John Wick, which people love, 
but it's like compared to you know Marvel what? movies or whatever. It's not even close. Justice right. League, yeah, it's, it's like, not even close. Yeah, it's not close at all. So there is not you know, nothing bubbles to the surface anymore. So you, 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 you got to right. go, go digging. Really is, high quality. Yeah. All right, so we've we've already um, got <laughs> pronounce you man and knife, which we really jumped ahead. We need to jump back. Well, we'll talk to we'll talk about it again that's because fair. I, that's how much I like it. That's fair. <laughs> so we uh, we get after the bar. I, there's not really much in the bar that matters, at least as far as I'm concerned. Well, Dolph Lundgren improves the theory of relativity. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, he improved it. Yeah. Yes, you're right. I, mean, I actually I do have that. He had to use a pen that had skulls on it, of course. Right, because uh, Stallone. Well, I, what I wanted to ask you is: so does Stallone? Does he does he like order this online? How does he get? This stuff with all the skulls. That's a good question. I didn't think about that at all. I mean, think about it, because I mean... He gets it from the same place he gets his bulletproof truck. <laughs> I have to assume. Whoever well, makes... Okay, wait a minute. I, he's got a cue somewhere. Maybe no it's Tool, went, maybe it's went to else. great lengths to hide Bruce Wayne, right? Wayne Industries orders, like, 10,000 units when he's making his first mask in Batman Begins right. to cover that the different components come from different places. I, I I mean, how good is Barney's cover here if he's just ordering? I mean, where, where is he getting this from? Is he getting it from eBay? Where is he getting this stuff from? I'm sure there's some company that makes these pens. I, I don't think these are supposed to be like custom skull pens that he gets. You think some made. company makes that pen? I, I guarantee you can find a pen with skulls all over it. All right. I mean, it, it was a pretty fancy pen. Like it's like it was a chrome big, yes. skulls and stuff. It but. was like a pen that you that the president like signs a bill into law with. It was a fancy pen. <laughs> well, I have to think. <laughs> President Schwarzenegger I, would have used that pen. The skulls all over. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe Governor Schwarzenegger did use that pen. That would be pretty great. Um, I'll bet you can find that pen at Hot Topic. That's all I'll say. <laughs> That's, or Spencer's. Well, that's too nice for Spencer. I wonder if it would be a cheap, say, plasticky yes. one. I don't think Spencer's exists anymore. Oh, they they exist. Does it? I think they're very different than they used to be. Really? Want, How? <laughs> I, I went into one like five years ago. If you want to find a store in a public shopping mall that sells dildos, <laughs> go into the Spencer's gifts. <laughs> Are you serious? I'm serious. Okay. I, we need and they to, still uh, sell the stupid crap that they used to sell, but you go into the back of the Spencer's gift, they're just straight up selling dildos. <laughs> In a public so, mall where like kids could just walk walk back there. So apparently they. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're like I, I'm speechless. <laughs> if you so find, is it like where the posters used to be, and they're like, oh, posters really aren't selling anymore. We need adult toys. It's, no, it's more where like the tchotchkes used to be. Of the 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 thing you hit the button and say it would, it would swear to you. All that Bart Simpson yeah. got from. Shut up! Shut up! Kiss my butt. Where they used to sell those, because no one buys those anymore. You get an app for that. There's no, there's no reason to buy one of those, so they had to replace that revenue with something. Marital aids. That's where they, they replaced it with. It was four or five years ago. I don't know if they... I think they still do exist. I think Spencer's are still in What's, malls. I, the next time I go to a mall, if there's a Spencer's, I'm going in, and I want to confirm if oh, I, that's still a product line I, for them. I promise you, you will find... You'll find what you're looking for. Before we move on, can I ask you, why were you going into a Spencer's? No, I was going into a Spencer's because I said, oh my God, Spencer's, I haven't been to one of these in 20 years, you know? I, I, it was this thing of just like, oh, these still exist. I need to check it out. I'm going to go in and reminisce about the Spencer's gifts. And we, then it was just like, oh my goodness, we, Spencer's gifts has changed quite a bit. Did you buy anything? No, I didn't buy anything. I didn't, did, you, did you plan on buying anything? <laughs> no. Are you trying to ask me if I bought a dildo? No, that, I'm not actually. Asking me? No, what I actually was trying to ask you was... Dude, did you feel guilt? So you wanted to go in and reminisce, and sometimes I will do this, and I'll feel guilty, and I will buy something because oh, I, I've never felt I, I have no guilt about going into a store and not buying anything. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Hey, if I don't go into the store, I'm not going to buy anything. So what are they upset about? 
Okay, next time I won't come in at all. If they're going to get upset. That's a silly thing to be upset about. I'm going to tell you right now. I have the right to go into a store and not buy anything. I'm an American. The people that work there, I'm sure they don't care. No, of course they don't care. They work at Spencer's Gifts. (laughs) (laughs) I never bought anything at Spencer's Gifts when I was a kid. And that was like the target audience. Why did you go in? To look at the dumb crap in there. That's the reason you go in there. It's like, oh my God, look at this stupid shit. When you're, when you're 13, you look at that stuff and say, this is the dumbest thing I ever saw. But here's the thing I want to try and solve for this before we move on. Yeah, people aren't How? even going to know. I don't know if Spencer's Gifts exists outside of the country. Like, people aren't going to know what we're talking about. Okay, but hold on. Can I just solve for this? If you and I are both agreeing, I never bought anything there. You never bought anything there. You're nope. saying that as 13-year-olds when we were at the Target... We just went in to say, what is the dumb crap there? How have they been open all this time? Is it like a money laundering front? I don't know. I mean, I'm sure somebody's buying something there. All right. I don't know. I don't. I have no idea who buys things at Spencer's Gifts. Well, I, I didn't know that. I, I don't made, know now. I make this promise to you in the audience. The next time I am in a mall, if I see in the directory there's a Spencer's, I'm going to do and do a little recon. I mean, maybe the the back section, the marital aid section, is the thing that's keeping them afloat. Maybe that was the business decision that saved them. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. I promise you this is true. You can verify for yourself. I can't. I honestly, I never. If you said Olson, I five years ago I went into a Spencer's. You'll never believe what I found in there or right. saw there. I can honestly say, probably with fifteen guesses, I would not have come up. Well, with I that. agree with you. I mean, I was surprised. I was just as surprised as you. All right. The fact that it's in a mall, just a mall where anybody can wander back there. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, even in the video one days, there at least was, you know, there was like a curtain if you had to go back into that section. Was there a section of video one? Oh, yeah. There, I'm not sure I ever knew that. I'm 99% sure. I, I mean, I don't doubt it. If we if we still have the listeners that grew up in Payless Hills, I'm sure they'll let us know if they listen to this episode. I don't, there must not have been a curtain. I think they had a book of movies that you could rent. Just like, here's all the movies that we have in stock. And you'd like look through the book and be like, oh, Die Hard, we'll rent Die Hard. I'll bet they had a second book. I bet that's how they did it. <laughs> I never thought. I I don't remember the book. I'm pretty sure that's how the video one did it. Whatever. All right. We've gone from only Americans will know what we're talking about to only people who grew up in a five mile radius of us will know what we're talking <laughs> Within about. Within a certain decade. Yes, that too. All right. I don't, know, I don't know how to transition back to you effectively get Billy the Kid wants to leave and Stallone says that's the right decision, Billy. So th- this Except is the- it wasn't. He should have told him, no, you're in a movie. You should never say that. <laughs> and, then, and if it was Last Action Hero, you know. Yeah. That uh, Danny, Danny, thank you. Danny Madigan would have said, no, you can't say that. <laughs> right. You have just signed your death warrant in this movie. Yes. Yeah, so this guy's he's obviously doomed really the kid. Yeah. And uh, Liam, Liam he's Hemsworth. The, he's the, the new team member and he's the he's the young guy and he's the one who want who has wants to go back to a better life. Check all the boxes. This guy's toast. Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, well, I'll save this conversation for the next episode. But it's interesting the whole idea of like, here's the new blood. You know, we're all, we're all these old guys, and here's finally someone we can <laughs> hand the reins off and to. They and kill him immediately. Yeah, he is dead. So uh, then we get to Will, uh, not Willis. We, well, we do get to Bruce Willis. We get Stallone headed back. I want to know how long was Church played by Bruce Willis? How long was he going to sit in this plane he's just waiting? Up. Yeah, he's just hanging out there. It yeah. could have been like weeks before Stallone decided. Maybe Stallone could have went on vacation. Your question and my question, I think, have answered each other. Because my question is, does Barney Ross live in this plane? Because <laughs> after, so. after the bar, he goes back to the plane. And he's like hanging up his coat. And Bruce Willis is there. And it's like, 
I think your question is just like, why would Bruce Willis go there? Why is he waiting in the plane? And I'm going, why is Barney? Go? But if he lives in the plane and Bruce Willis knows this, you know, Church knows this. I think he lives in the plane. I think he does too. I think the, well, so I think and the property he owns is the hangar where the plane is in. That's where he had his bulletproof truck. Okay, la- sure. I'm pretty sure last time the bulletproof truck was there. I think the he's probably got like a GI Joe base underneath <laughs> to, with all his uh, his gadgets and things. Yeah, it's like uh, his, all his collection of pens with skulls and everything. <laughs> it's like the Dark Knight, right? Where it just reset. It's yeah, up above it just looks normal, and then you recess down in the elevator, and yes, he's got the pens and all the the toys. That's where he's been hiding tool down there. Just, <laughs> that's why you never see him. Is he's down there in, the, in his uh, sub basement. So, yeah, that was my question, is how long was he going to hang around? And I think you've helped me answer, is that he was just going to wait there until he came home. Yeah, this is Barney's home, and he knows that, so he's just going to wait until Barney... He has to come home at some point. He has to come home. Yeah, I think our questions have answered each other. So, yeah, we learn here that Barney and the team took the $5 million in the previous movie, because we were questioning... Yeah. What happened to the money? And I think you had thought that it blew up. That's what I thought, but I forgot about this movie. Yeah. Well, I'd, I'd forgotten, too, so I went back and watched... Rewatched uh, the end of The Expendables, and I think really what it comes down to is I think Stallone, when he was directing the first movie, just forgot about the money. Because <laughs> the last time you see it, it's uh, Steve Austin chucking the money over the wall of fire before he goes and gets that little door to, to walk. <laughs> he gets the flimsy wood door to walk across. Yes, he chucks the money across. He gets the door. They walk across. Randy Kutcher shows up. They have a fight. Eric Roberts and the girl run away. You never see the money again. And it's pretty close to the helicopter, and the helicopter does blow up when Terry Crews chucks the munitions at it or whatever. <laughs> it's so awesome. But it's not clear whether the money burned up the movie. The movie just totally forgot about so it. So what you're saying is that the toll was paid because Toll Road picked it up. That's true. <laughs> he collected his toll. <laughs> We've learned why he's called that. That would be funny if uh, Barney Ross didn't know that like Toll Road found this money and just kept it. And he's like, what $5 million? Yes. You took the $5 million. He's like, oh, Toll Road. You got something you want to tell me? <laughs> Uh, Toll Road, I'm looking in your direction. Those guys needed to get paid, so it makes sense. And now they're indebted to church, and they need to to do the job, whether they want to or not. Yeah. And Barney puts up no fight at all, which, you know, Lee Christmas calls him on, and it's just like, you're intimidated by him, whatever. It's like, yeah, he kind of is. He kind of just went like, okay, I'll do whatever you say, church. (laughs) You know, Stallone, this tough guy, he just rolls right over. Well, maybe he knows that the agency can inflict a lot of damage and pain so he just decides i'm just gonna go along because physically bruce willis is not gonna church is not gonna win a fight with barney it's not even gonna be close no definitely not not even close yeah it's a, that's the thing is i know people think of bruce willis as an action star and i guess he is i have to i'm not doing this just to get up get you upset <sighs> i genuinely think of him more as like an actor the same for Harrison Ford. Just like to me, they're actors who sometimes do action movies. They're not like Arnold or Stallone. I do too. Mostly do action. Movies. And I think that the reason why I think Die Hard was so successful is that Willis was the everyman. Oh, I agree. He's a better actor than yeah, when he wants to act. When he <laughs> when he chooses to do it. At his best, he's better than both Stallone and and Arnold. At his worst, he's way worse than Stallone. Hudson Hawk. I like Hudson Hawk. I know that's the so- wrong cho- thing to. to I will, I'll get upset about Hudson Hawk now. Don't you dare badmouth Bruce Willis and Hudson Hawk. <laughs> and you're gonna badmouth Die Hard. <laughs> that's right. What? Oh, I guess what I'm saying is that yes, I think you're right because Willis and Die Hard. I think the reason why people identified and really liked it that it was a different action movie because he was different than those other guys. Yeah, I agree. He was an actor, but he was also just like a regular guy. I mean, he was a you know he was a police officer in it, but he wasn't some big huge dude right. with. 
I, he did eventually get a machine gun, but he didn't have some massive gun and yeah. explosives. That's why Die Hard was a different action movie and why it set itself apart at the time. Oh, and which is which is great in Die Hard. I, it's I think why I bring it up is because it's, he seems like a strange fit here, where they're putting him on the same level I, I, as the other two. He, of them. he doesn't feel like he fits in with the rest. Yeah. Other than I do think some of his lines, I I like him as. In the in the end sequence, I really like him, but I don't believe him as much here as where he's intimidating Barney. Right, Bruce Willis is not intimidating. They give him this weird arc, which is kind of similar to the arc that Stallone had in the first movie, where he's just like he's very mercenary at the beginning, and then he decides to do the right thing at the end or whatever. It's it feels kind of tacked on, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that's probably why at the end he's just having fun. It's just like okay, they, they've justified that now he's on the team and he's going to help out or whatever. Yeah. So, uh, what do you think of uh, the addition of Maggie Maggie Chan? She's fine. I don't. I don't have a strong opinion about her. This is one of the only English language movies she's done. I guess that's my question: is if you had seen her in anything because you kind of will watch some. No. Okay. I had never heard of her. I have her name up top, but I don't remember. Um, no, she's fine. I, mean, I don't know. I, I there's nothing wrong. It just there's not a lot of backstory there, and it's just she's just kind of there. I mean, it seems like the kind of thing. I wonder if that was written for. A bigger name in the U.S., like uh, Ronda Rousey. No, well, just wait. She's coming. She's on her way. I know. No, uh, what's her name from Crouching Tiger? I'm drawing a blank on her name. Um, um, from Bond, from Tomorrow Never Dies. I wonder if they wrote this for her. Well, that's what my question. I'm sure, actually, people know who we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, I can't my, remember her name. Uh, Michelle, Michelle, Michelle Yeoh. Yeoh. Yes. Yeah. Not that's what my actually my question was going to be is because. I remembered her in Tomorrow Never Dies, and since this is kind of past action heroes, like that seems like who should be in this. Yeah, it would make sense. I wonder if it was written for her, and she said no. I was like, well, let's just get somebody else. You know, and find well, somebody you've written it. I don't want to have to go and change this. Yeah, I don't know. It's nice to have a girl in the team. It, it is kind of like, it's you know, it's a change of pace. Like I agree. The first movie is just a bunch of dudes. It's just like, yeah, yeah. why not? I agree. Other than I just, I didn't know who she was. Yeah. And that doesn't mean anything, because I don't know Chinese film that well, so... No, I don't think she's that huge a star. I don't. I don't think. Maybe I just don't know who she is. I mean, maybe she's a giant star in China. But. So that's the reason why I thought it was kind of confusing, is because kind of everybody else in this on this team has some level of notoriety, and she just didn't feel like she did. I don't know who, other than Michelle Yeoh. I mean, I'm not sure who it would necessarily be. I don't know. I mean, that's just me speculating. It's just like you know, see that that, that would have seemed like a good fit to have Michelle Yeoh play this part. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it, I just you know it's it's weird because she's never on the same footing as the rest of these guys. She's yeah. not part of the team. She's kind of tagging along, and the movie treats her like she's tagging along. Yeah. So you know, I mean, it'd be cool if she had joined the team by the end or whatever. But it's just like she's going to go her separate ways. She's going to work for the corporation, right? But yeah, this scene where they meet, it's pointless. I was kind of annoyed by that scene. It's like, oh, the you, motorcycle. You have a nice motorcycle. Yeah. So do you. It's, okay, bye. <laughs> See it you tomorrow. Was, it was a waste. Yeah, they could have met on the plane. Why do we need this scene? I. I, I think it was just to have, ooh, they're on motorcycles. Honestly, I think that's what it was. I mean, do you think this was supposed to be setting up some sexual tension? Because I think there is a little more of that between the two of them than there was in the first movie between Stallone and uh, what are the Sandra. Yeah, there definitely was more. I, st- I didn't get the feeling. And that's good. I, I, you know what? I'd rather just keep that out. That's not what this world feels like. So I'm glad it didn't take that any, any more tension than there already was. I agree. But you don't think they were trying to set something no, up? No, I, I think it was a little bit, but I still don't think that they fully committed to it. Well, I mean, by the end, she kind of makes it clear that she's interested, right? 
Yeah. He kind of shuts the door. Like, well, yeah, the it- he basically tells her that he'll ruin her life if yeah, she cheats with him. The Italian thing. She she's definitely flirting with him. Oh, that too. Yeah. yeah, that's actually a good sequence all around. Everybody in that's good. I agree. Yeah, we'll get there pretty soon. There's not too much between no. here and there. Uh, yes, yeah, so they they're going to find this plane with the the map to the mine to the plutonium. <laughs> they're just walking through the jungle, uh, the, the forest, and they're walking. Billy Billy's running. Yeah, um, and he seems to be in much better shape. I think it's interesting. Uh, Statham is the the one saying like oh, I could keep up with him. Yeah. <laughs> like it kind of it kind of fits with what we were talking about him in the last episode of just like you know his character and possibly Statham himself is still a little full of himself. <laughs> yes, uh, the every picture of him on his Facebook profile is shirtless. Yeah, a little bit of an ego, both with for Statham and for his character. Well, yeah, because then you get inside the plane. He needs a chain. I know. That's as great as he's not even using his bare muscles. I'm not sure how much work he's doing. And then he's got Stallone on his side. Terry Crews is holding up his end of the bargain all by himself. Yeah. Well, Stallone makes a joke about it. He's like, it's a good thing you were here, Jason Statham. <laughs> happy to help. You know? he, he does make a joke, but I like that he can't, he can't even get in there with his arms. Now, I know it's probably because the amount of, uh, with Stallone being there, he needed to get further back probably to be able to pitch in however he did. Right. But I like that he's not even in there trying to hold his grip. I'm not sure he was doing anything. I got the impression that he, it's like, here, loop this onto something so that we don't have to hold it with our hands. Like, find another thing to latch it onto, and then it'll stay open. And he just never did. He couldn't find something, or just... (laughs) He was too lazy. Yeah, I don't know. That's what I assumed was going to happen, and then... I I don't think he really did much. No. He's he's supervising. That's what he's doing. But I still still do like Statham in the movie. Yeah, like you said, he's less. He has less focus. Less no focus. That's that's the best way to put it. Yeah, but he's still good. All of his action sequences. He's he's very good at like the. It's not quite martial arts, but it's kind of like the way he does his fight sequences, especially with all the knives and stuff. Like, yeah. He has a way of kind of moving and choreographing his fight sequences that are, that's really cool. He's yeah, he's a good action hero. Yeah, he genuinely is. Yeah. So then, effectively, they they get the the MacGuffin. They they get the the information. And are headed back, and this is where, like, basically the rest of the movie is set up here. Yeah. The roundhouse, and I remember seeing in theaters, I'm like, oh, I cannot believe they had him do a roundhouse kick. Why? That's crazy. I like, I'm not even that huge I, of a Van Damme fan, but I love that. I don't think it's bad, but I'm like, wow. I mean, they, they're really committing to what this is, is that this is sure a, a crazy action movie. I mean, you've hired John claude Van Damme, you're going to want him to kick something. <laughs> You know, <laughs> that's what you're paying for. You're not paying for him to I, act. I just imagine that in like the producers' meeting or the writing. Well, we got to well, we got to have him kick something. Well, of course. No, my, how many kicks can we get in here? My favorite thing is you know because they've taken Liam Hemsworth hostage and like Jean Claude Van Damme's threatening him with the knife. He tosses the knife to his uh, henchman guy, and the henchman guy knows exactly what to do with it. He imme- as if they do this all the time. He's just like, oh, he's throwing the knife to me. I'm going to put it by his heart, and he's going to kick it. So it just, it's like Mortal Kombat. That's like the finish. The guy, that guy knows that his job is, yeah, his job the, is to hold finish him. Is he needs to just set it up right. for the hammer to come and hit the nail. Right. He doesn't, like, you'd th- any other circumstance, he'd be like, oh, he's throwing a knife to me. He wants me to kill the guy. No, he just holds it. He knows exactly what. <laughs> he knows a roundhouse kick yeah, is coming. He, he knows what Valaine wants to do. Well, this is this is a nice introduction to this character, and again, I, you know, connecting it to our last episode, the villain needs to meet the heroes, and this is a perfect yeah. example of that. It's like this is why you hate him, not just because he killed. I mean, I, you know, that's a big part of it because he kills one of your guys, but it's like just the fact that they're meeting and they have a reason to dislike each other. I mean, even if he hadn't killed Liam Hemsworth, it would still be. I think the tension is set. And yeah, exactly. 
and I, I'll give it. I like the fact that they took and got Van Damme to do it. They took an action hero and made that made him the villain. And I think Van Damme is a fun villain in this movie. He is. He's full of like weird mannerisms and things. I love the stuff he's doing. Like. He takes one of their knives. Is it? Is it uh, Barney's knife? Or it's yeah, it was one of their knives. No, it's Barney's. Because they use it at the end, and when yeah, yeah, yeah in yeah, that final sequence, the yeah, the final sequence, it, he says something about it. You know, we're down to just me, the two of us, and your knife, or something like that. But he, he like, he, he like admires the knife, and he says something. I think he says like, uh, uh, "Fighting men should die like men, not like sheep." And then he does like a weird Zorro with the knife. Yes, <laughs> you know, he's like fight like men. <laughs> He's just like, what does Zoro have to do with sheep? Yeah, he's just, he like, he like thrusts the knife like a sword. Just his performance is full of crazy little mannerisms like that. Later, I love the one where it's that same knife and him and Stallone are squaring off and he just like slaps it against his neck. Yep. <laughs> just stuff like that. Just like, I don't know if this was uh, Van Damme's idea yeah, or whatever, the director. Whoever it was, it was a lot of fun. He's full of weird quirks. That's good for a villain because you just want the villain to be strange and, and quirky. Yeah. So they, they bury Billy. The one thing I, I don't like is a few of the lines in this movie feel either rushed or just not well delivered or written. Yeah, there's a lot of corny stuff. In this yeah, movie. Stallone's re- reaction of you know what they're going to do, track him, find uh, I do not like it. Oh, I like that. Do you? Yeah. No, I don't like it at I all. I think that's cool. Track him, find him, kill him. It pushes in on his face. I, yeah. I think that's good. All right. Well, well, we'll disagree on that one, which is fine. There, there's a few of them in here. That are like that, that I just don't like. I thought you were going to talk about his eulogy, which is, I think, very corny and very uh, cliched, where he's just like, why is it that the guy who has the most to live dies and us guys, the rest of us. <laughs> us guys who are old still keep living? Like, that seems corny to me. Just, I felt that it was like self-serving. Yeah, these old guys, they control and make the movies, so I'm not going to let the young guys <laughs> make the movies yet. Yeah, this guy's a Hemsworth. The Hemsworth are the new Baldwins, so it's like... <laughs> It would, it would probably be a good idea to keep them around, you know? Hemsworths are the new Baldwins. They are. They definitely are the new Baldwins, Hemsworths. I think Liam Hemsworth is probably the, the worst Hemsworth. No offense to him. I like them all, but... <sighs> all right, so we got Liam, we got Chris. Chris, and then there's the... Uh, Ken or something? The guy on uh, Westworld. Yes. It's the oldest brother, and I don't know his name. I, can, I like him on Westworld, yeah, he's actually. he's good on Westworld. Yeah. He's, he's probably the least famous brother, but I think he's a pretty good actor. Liam Hemsworth, I've never seen him in anything that really... It's probably unfair because I, I do hold Independence Day 2 against Liam Hemsworth. I know it's not his fault. It's a big movie. It's a big opportunity. If, I, if you offered me a role in Independence Day 2, would I would accept it? it. Yes. So I don't blame him, but <laughs> oh my God, that movie, like it, it traumatized me. It's Why did you see it? I was curious. Curiosity. Do you really like the first one that much? No. Then why would you see the second I, one? I watched a lot of movies, and I will frequently watch movies that I know are bad just because I'm curious. I've watched three out of the four Transformers movies, and I am sure I will see the fourth one. Or no, there's five now? I think there's Has five. the fifth one come out yet? Yeah, I think so. It did, okay. I think it was this year, actually. Was oh, no, I've seen four out of five. I did see the fourth one with Mark Wahlberg. So I'm sure I'll see the fifth one soon. When it's If it's on streaming, I'll, at some point I'll watch it. All right. It's curiosity. I'm, sometimes I just want to see how bad it is. So my next note is that we get a church check-in because he's like flying on a plane and saying, where's my stuff, basically? Right. And this is where uh, Barney kind of chides him. It's like, 
you know, you won't do your own dirty work and then cut to Bruce Willis and he's just like pensive, like, oh, he's right. Maybe I should do my own dirty work. <laughs> he's yeah. got me there. But this is the first one I have Jean-Claude rides with sunglasses and there are four more of him just riding with sunglasses. Does he keep his sunglasses on in the mine? I didn't even think about that. Yes, he does. Okay. I mean, of course he does, but yeah, of course <laughs> the darkest place on the earth is like, I'll keep his sunglasses on. They make me look cool. So it's math time because he tells he tells how often. Oh, what? Oh. Well, I was going to say he sets up a three day timeline. Oh, there's that. Yes, which seems arbitrary, but whatever. He's just decided. You know, I have people willing to pay four million a kilo now. <laughs> He's so insistent. Yeah, he is. But see, my question to Valene would be: Is well, is there going to be more that's going to flood the market that the price might crash? That they'll pay for it now. That's true. He, yeah, he really is flooding the market. Because, well, here's the, here's the math. Because he <laughs> I, says people are going to pay him four million per kilo, and then a little bit later he goes six pounds of pure plutonium. I'm not going to do my terrible impression. Six pounds of pure plutonium is enough to tip the balance of the world. So imagine how much five tons will do. And then he goes, it's very interesting. Yeah, which <laughs> is <Just> again, <laughs> that's, the, <laughs> that's actually what I like the most about it. Weird little yes. quirks like that. But okay, so presumably he's saying, imagine what five tons will do. So presumably he's got five tons of plutonium to sell. That's what I would assume. Okay, so I did the math. Uh, 917 kilograms per ton at $4 million per kilo. Valane stands to make $18.1 billion on this deal. So quite a lot of money. And that's assuming it's, it's tons and not metric tons. If it's metric tons, then it's an even 20 billion. That's pretty good. So yeah, you can understand it's why. It's still not going to put him in Jeff Bezos territory, but it, he's well on his way. <laughs> that's true. He passed 100 billion recently. Yes. Over yeah. this, this, on Friday, he passed 100 billion in net worth. Well, you know, maybe Valane will, will invest it well. He'll come up with the, the next big thing. <laughs> you know, plutonium shipped right to your door. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. Expendables land the plane and. Uh, they take a truck into town. Yeah, did you happen to notice? I don't know why I laughed so hard, but I did. When one of the trucks is being cleared out, Dolph Lundgren just chucks a chicken out the back of the truck. <laughs> yes. It really made me laugh. Well, it made me wonder: is this some? Did they just steal this truck? They just stole That's this I think so. truck from a chicken farmer. Some poor farmer just lost his truck. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the stuff like that is really good. Like Dolph Lundgren, he's he's selling the comedy for sure. Um, yeah, they're driving into some. Albanian town and they they need to get information. Yeah, I did, I like this. I I like the uh, the brass knuckles, the classics. For some reason, yeah. I really liked it. This scene is so. It feels like a vaudeville scene the way it's structured. Where it's just like he's slightly gigantic, and then they look back, and then they're like he's very gigantic. You know, you're right. I didn't think about it, that. It, it, I'm waiting for Abbott to show up and like, <laughs> you know. <laughs> It's very, very, like, I mean, I enjoy it. I'm not complaining. Well, they get the information. That's the important thing. Yeah. Well, Maggie does. She comes in, and you learn that she's, like, some kind of uh, linguistic, torturer or something. Well, torturer, and she must be a linguistic genius because she's able to know. That's what I want to know is that they were going to get information out of these guys. What if they didn't speak English? It doesn't seem like any of these guys know That's on the true. Expendables. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. <laughs> Yeah, because uh, Christmas and Barney were going to do it. Yeah. They what? don't speak the language. No. <laughs> You're right. How did it, did it even occur to me? What was their plan? I guess they were just going to like point to a map or <laughs> have, have him point to a map. <laughs> Something. Just keep beating on him until he points somewhere. Right. Yeah, I don't know. That's a very good question. It's a good thing Maggie came in because, yeah, I don't think they had much of a plan. Yeah, no, it's, it says, you know, the women tend to be, you know, more of planners. 
she actually had a way to actually get the information. I mean, it doesn't seem like they have much of a plan for this entire movie. Like, they land, and it's just like, what do we do? Let's just go we'll, into this we'll, bar. We'll, we'll steal a farmer's truck, and we'll, we'll figure it out from there. We'll steal a truck, we'll drive into a random town, we'll <laughs> go into a bar, we'll wait to get attacked, we'll have Maggie torture them, and then what happens? Where do these guys point them to? They point them to a fake Russian training town, <laughs> yes. which is an ambush. So maybe they shouldn't have beaten this stuff out of, or tortured this information out of them because it ended up being a trap, I guess. They clearly hadn't watched Reservoir Dogs, right? Because nice guy Eddie, Chris Penn, who's no longer with us, if you beat this cop long enough, That's he will true. tell you that he started the Chicago fire. He's right, right? If you yeah. beat somebody, you torture somebody enough, they'll tell you anything. That doesn't make it true. But like what? What information are they trying to get? Are they trying to find the mine? Or does Maggie know where the mine is? I think that they're trying to find where Valaine is. Okay. Because they're track him, find him, kill him. That's right. They don't know. So, yeah, you're right. They need to track him. That, that's the beginning. This is the tracking right. portion. Then they find him. <laughs> you're right. Then they kill him. I, I mean, I should have followed that logic considering I was the one who liked the line. So, yeah, this gets them absolutely no closer no. to finding this mine. They all, all that got to them was setting up for an ambush, which was really just setting up my favorite cameo of all time. I, it, it's pretty great. I, I'm not even really that big a fan of Neither the, the Chuck Norris. Well, Chuck Norris, but also the Chuck Norris thing on the internet. The whole I, like internet thing. I enjoyed it in the initial stages, that, that thing, but it, it got too far out of hand too quickly, and this is really going back to the early stages of the internet, because it was like a message board, as I remember, right? That had like postings. Yeah, I don't know when that started. I think it was probably like early 2000s. I was going to say like late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah, something like that. Um, I mean, you know, legitimately, some of them were pretty funny. Oh, sure. Some of them. It's it's a funny template for a right. joke of just, you Why know. it's Chuck Norris. What I never understood is it's like, why is Chuck Norris the yeah. one that this caught on for? Exactly. Uh, that I will never understand. And maybe it's because it was somewhat ironic and people were making fun of Chuck Norris. I think that probably... Have you, ever, have you ever seen Walker, Texas Ranger? It's really stupid. I've only seen clips of it. I've seen that clip of Haley Joel Osment on Walker, <laughs> Texas Ranger. That's the only part, it's the only thing I, from that show I've seen. It's such a stupid show. I mean, I have seen some Chuck Norris movies from the 80s, like yeah. his old like canon film stuff. Uh, Invasion USA I've seen. I've never seen that. It's hilariously bad. Okay. Sometimes Chuck Norris is hilarious unintentionally because yeah. like in that movie... Invasion USA is just about a bunch of, like, a huge group of terrorists that just invade the country. It's just, like, a melange of just, like, Russians and Arabs and just, like, er everyone who dislikes America is just, they all team up. Coordinate and, they, and yeah, storm and they, the they, beaches. They, they, like, storm one place, like, one town in Florida. And so there's a bunch of guys, <laughs> and there's a bunch of guys trying to blow up something. And he's, you know, uh, uh, he's done something to their bomb to make it not work. And he's standing on the roof, and he just goes, not working, huh? And then they look up like, huh? And then he goes, now it will. And he, he just connects two wires and then they, they blow up. I mean, it's like literally some Wiley e. Coyote stuff. That's awesome. Um, it's worth watching. It's so stupid. But yeah, like, why Chuck Norris? It's like, he, he has always kind of sucked. And yet, because of that, like, I guess that's why I have two minds about it. Because it's just like, Chuck Norris did not deserve to be elevated to the position of being in this movie. Where he's in this movie, and he's awesome. And I'm watching this going like, I, Chuck Norris sucks. And, but it's only, <laughs> it's only because... Chuck Norris sucks. He does suck. The, the only reason why he's awesome in this movie is because... because of that. The, the internet raised him up to the point where he became this, like, this legendary, you know, after five days of horrible pain, the, the cobra died. 
There's good. I mean, yeah, it's funny, but it's. I would have enjoyed it more if it was somebody I actually liked, See, but, or somebody who was in on the joke. Because I don't think Chuck Norris is in on the joke. If it was somebody who, who appreciated <laughs> being this ironic figure, but I, I and I don't know who it would be. I'm not sure who I would. Prefer. I don't know. I don't know either. I, I do agree with you. It's a fair criticism that it's it's not fair that he's included in this and that he's so badass. And yeah, the only I don't want to he, like Chuck Norris. The only reason he is, is it effectively, I mean, it's probably not the first internet meme, but I mean, in some ways, right, it, it was kind of like a meme. Oh, it's, it's definitely in the early days. Yeah, and... Shortly after Chewbacca ate my balls. <laughs> See, the first one I remember was Biggie Smalls ate my balls. <laughs> okay. For, for me, it was Chewbacca. Thank you, I'm glad... See, I... Some ate, of, ate my balls was the first meme, I'm convinced. I'm glad that you're around to, to reinforce for me that these things existed because I remember Biggie Smalls oh, yeah. ate my balls. I remember ate my balls. I'm, there are a ton of people ate your balls. <laughs> but that's the thing. Like, it, it was like, fill in the blank, ate my balls. That was the meme. But it's like, why couldn't they do that with Chuck Norris? Why, every time there's a Chuck Norris joke, it was Chuck Norris. Make it somebody else for a change. But can you, know? you at least admit, though, that even though he doesn't deserve it, this cameo is awesome. Oh, I love it. I love it. That's why I'm so conflicted about it because I don't like Chuck Norris. <laughs> I mean, to the point that I, like, I've, I have mixed feelings about enjoying a Chuck Norris performance. I wanted to get in there a couple of other things outside of the Chuck Norris. I love that there's a Ray's pizza, and all I want to yes. know is it famous original Ray's? <laughs> just or original, Jerry. Just original, Jerry. Well, I mean, that's just, you know, if you're making a fake New York street, oh, you're going to put in a Ray's pizza. <laughs> yeah, of course. But it, I wanted to get the Seinfeld at least reference in there. But yeah, I, I, th- I had that same thought. This is one that uh, Dolph Lundgren's great too because when he's snoring he wakes up and uh, you rang <laughs> i thought it was great <laughs> that, yeah, I you can, didn't like that i can take that or leave it oh, it's just man. a weird alert reference in 2012 i guess kind of strange well and then the fact that when stone's like oh they, uh, they got a tank it is so awesome that chuck norris even takes out the tank yeah oh definitely <laughs> nothing nothing can stop the wolf well i, I love the pause between because it's just like everyone's falling down dead, and then there's like a two-second pause, and then a rocket comes in. You can just imagine Chuck Norris being like, okay, I guess I better get my rocket for this tank. I need, Yeah, I finished off the guys. Now it's time for the tank. Now, the thing that makes me laugh, the Dolph Lundgren thing that makes me laugh in this sequence, and I'm kind of embarrassed to admit it, is baby seal and whale ass. <laughs> for his last final <laughs> for meal? For his final meal. I think why I find it funny is because they all give their last meals, like, oh, here's what I would have. And then he goes... Hey, what about me? And I got the sense that they didn't ask him because they knew that he would <laughs> say something, something crazy. Yeah, horrifying. So, <laughs> so all right, look, this is going to be a little bit of a tangent. I don't want to take too much time, but I've thought about this at length. Not necessarily last meal, but I don't think you're as big of a fan of Zombieland as I am. I, I enjoyed the movie, but I mainly because of Woody Harrelson, and I, I really like Woody Harrelson in that movie. Yeah, I only saw it the one time, and I don't remember much about it. But so his obsession with... Twinkies and oh, finding right. like the last Twinkie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is that item for you? I can tell you. I know what the one thing that if I if if we were in the zombie apocalypse and I was searching every store to find and eat as many of them I could, I know what it is for me. What is it for you? Oh, you know what it is for me. It's Reese's Christmas trees. <laughs> <laughs> but those aren't that easy to find. That okay, would be that, the thing. that would be why it would be difficult. <laughs> okay. The specific holiday Reese's. Okay. Reese's peanut butter cup. I can tell you, I know what mine is. The thing that, like, every store that I went to when I was raiding and pilfering that I would have to take, everyone, Cheez-Its. 
That, okay. is, that is the one thing for me. And I think I've told you that I think seeing Ghostbusters so many times as a kid, <laughs> subliminally, it's been burned into my head that Cheez-Its are a good thing since they're snacking on them very prominently in that movie. Was it just Egon or was it Ray, too? Both of them stack from that okay. box. I, mean, and I was a big Ray fan, by the way. Okay. Yeah, I am, too. I, I, I can see that. Ray was always my favorite. Anyway. Che- Cheez-Its are a little dry for me, but... You know, and you know what's it. really great? Is now they have, I don't know if you know this, so some of my favorite is when you get a box and they were, they were a little burned, they actually have a flavor now, extra toasty. They, they <laughs> burn the Cheez-Its. I have seen that. They're very I've good. I've not tried them. So after this, the, uh, the wolf is going to go uh, on his own way. and Before he goes on his own way, do you know what it's, what's on his baseball cap? I noticed he had one on, but I couldn't figure out what it was. There's like a weird shape on his hat, and I've, I've got my 4K TV. I mean, it's only an HD Blu-ray, but I'm, I got right up on the screen and going like, what is on this hat? I cannot make heads or tails of it. I'm just curious. Maybe it's it, a dead King Cobra. <laughs> I, uh, I don't think it is, because there's like a crescent. There's like a red crescent. I can pull it up if you want, but I mean, there's like a red crescent off to the side. And there's like a weird shape. It looks like a map of Westeros or something. It's just like this. <laughs> this like I'd like to see that guy in Westeros. <laughs> I mean, I wonder if there's a zoom. Yeah, I don't have a zoom. But look at look at this hat. What is that? Can you make sense of what that is? There's like a. It almost looks like a sickle, like a Soviet sickle. Well, and then it looks like a golf bag or something. I don't know what this is. You think it's you think it's like a faded Mickey Mouse? Because that the sickle on the right could be like a red Mickey Mouse here. Yeah, but there's nothing on the other side to match it. I do not know what that is. It's just like a crazy collection of shapes. I stared at this thing for like a solid 10 minutes going like, this must be something. I'm sure if I look at this long enough, it will start to make sense. I don't know what it is. I, 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 I swear, am, it, I am so perplexed by this hat. It's something that's faded, right? I mean, that's, that's not I don't design. think so. That red crescent looks pretty fresh. Like, that doesn't look faded at all. That looks like that's the thing. Whatever, whatever that is, that's... So, so what you're saying is Chuck Norris sucks and his hat sucks too. <laughs> well, I'm just, I just would like to know what is on his hat. If anyone knows what is on Chuck Norris' yeah, hat in Expendables 2. Tw- tweet us at Bad Puns Podcast if you can tell us what's on uh, Chuck Norris's hat. I mean, I just, I'm very perplexed by his hat. Anyway, yeah, he wanders off. And then you get the line, thanks for showing up. Which I, <laughs> I remember really laughing at that when we saw it. So awesome. I think it, that line works better if he doesn't come back later. Because it's just like, thanks for showing up from the movie. You know, and he's just and left. done. Yeah, I think the fact that he comes back kind of ruins that line a little bit. A little still, bit. It's still pretty fun. But, but the bodies that he drops in that air, airline or yeah, the airport. airport sequence, I'm glad that he was back. I'm fine with it either way. All right. I don't dislike the fact that he came back, but it's not like my favorite it, thing it either. It does weaken that line a little bit. The line would be a lot better, you're right, if he never showed back up. Well, it's one of those things like this is probably not the movie to be asking these questions, but just like how did he know that that was going down at the airport? How did he, you know, he knew about the village. Like he tips off uh, Barney here about the village nearby that where Valaine has been terrorizing them, and that's how they f- find Valaine. But Chuck Norris doesn't know about the airport. He doesn't know. <laughs> well, not only that, Barney had to fly his plane. Right, yeah. It's probably, I mean, well, uh, I, the, guess he I think Valaine drives there. Valaine yeah. drives to the airport, and they take a helicopter, which is how they beat him to it. So yeah. I guess it's close enough to driving distance. Although, I don't, doesn't he's seem tra- like Chuck he, Norris has a car or anything. No, he's, he just he just can walk that fast. <laughs> right, I was Chuck say, Norris. I, mean, I guess on. his character is the embodiment of all of those memes, right. I suppose. So yes. like, yeah, literally. He can do whatever he wants. Yeah. So I, the Expendables didn't even need to be here. No, they didn't. If he's that Chuck Norris, yes. he could have saved the day on his own. Well, if he is, I mean, you saw what he did. <laughs> yes, yeah. There is no, there's no if he about He literally it. took out an army with a tank. That's a good point. And it was him. He works alone. That's right. I do love uh, uh, Terry Crews' line. He's like, 
who did that? <laughs> I think that's the highlight of, of the scene for me. It's just his reaction. Who did that? All right. um, so, yeah, so they send him, he sends them to this village that there's some good people. And I just had him like, yep, they needed to be set up for an action sequence not too l- far away. Yeah, and this village needs protecting because obviously these women can't shoot as they set that up when, yeah. they, when they arrive. Safest places in front of their guns. Yeah. So, women, am I right? They can't shoot guns. <laughs> I could do without that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this, this action sequence, I mean, here's Man and Knife. Yeah. So, based on that I, alone. I will tell you, I, I didn't give enough credit for Man and Knife. It is good. And I, I do like, of probably everybody, I had this, Statham gets the best action sequence here. Terry Crews has a pretty good one where he just picks up a guy and, like, swings him around and throws him into, like, a pillar of a building. Yeah. I think I preferred... Uh, the stuff in one with him with the giant shotgun. I think let let Randy Kuchar grapple guys and toss them around. I want Terry Crews to be firing <laughs> giant guns. All right, I think I think that should be his role. Like it's fine. Like I don't dislike it, but it's just like you know, Arnold took his gun, his uh, giant gun away. So maybe that's but why he had, he had a backup. So it was fine. he did have a backup. I did, did I did also enjoy in this sequence. Did you happen to notice that Gunner Lundgren? He's just kind of like half heartedly every once in a while shooting a guy. He barely is doing anything. <laughs> yeah, he's just kind of wandering around the, the, the battlefield yes. like there's a guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He seems like he's not really doing much, and he, yeah, he's just like haphazard. Eh, there's a guy. I'll shoot this guy. I, I, I do like that too. I agree. Like that's that's really. He's, he, you can't count on him for anything. He's the most casual action hero. <laughs> I mean, it, it is kind of like Seagal like, where just I'm just gonna stand relatively still and let the action come to me, you know. <laughs> but at least here he's shooting guns, so it makes more sense. Like I didn't think about that with Seagal, but you're right. Well, that's definitely Seagal's move. You just like stand perfectly still, and then I mean. Now it's because he's so fat, he doesn't want to move. But like <laughs> even back when he was thin, every single action sequence, right. stand still, bad guy runs at him, he flails his arms around, they fall over. <laughs> so Dolph Lundgren, I guess, is the gun version of Steven Seagal. Oh, you know what? We kind of skipped it. So what was the, the body count for... Sorry, I, I probably distracted you too much. The body count for the, the wolf. Oh, for Chuck Norris? Yeah. Let me see. I think I have that. Oh, if you don't, it's fine. I just thought you had broken out in each one. I have a body count for each expendable, including Chuck Norris, individually at the end. Although it's, I, I really had to scramble, so let's call them estimates. Okay. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a I'll, I'll double check right, stuff then, later. Then we'll, but, we'll keep going. But I have his total for the whole movie, but I don't have his total for here. Although I That's do have, I do have a note here saying we've crossed the 200 mark at this point. <laughs> oh man! So just FYI, is it going to be over 500? <laughs> well, I'm not going to say, but. Uh, anything's possible with the expendables. All right. Um, oh, before we move on, this is a pet peeve of mine, and I actually don't mind it that much in this movie, but it usually annoys me. I'm not taking this movie that seriously, so whatever, but this happens in movies all the time. So many movies where it's just like, this is our home. We will not leave our home. We live here, home. and this is our home, and we say we're going to fight to the death to protect our home. Just leave. <laughs> This doesn't happen in the real world. If no. there's like, yeah, you know, people at refugee camps happen. Yeah, if all there's the time. a dictator, it's like, if you can leave, leave. You know, obviously, some, you know, a lot of times people can't. Yes. You know, and not to get too serious about it, but it's, in a movie, it's just like you're gonna get, give me more justification for that than just this is our home. And I agree with you. I don't. I don't think it's that hard to come up with justification either. Right. At least for a portion of the population, right? You can say that. Yeah, many that already have left, many that could have already left. 
you know, maybe it's the sick and the, you know, the people who couldn't and we're staying back because we couldn't move them. It's not that hard to justify why at least a portion of the population remain. Right. Or just tie it to their livelihood of just like my business is here. If I leave, I lose, I lose everything. I lose right. everything I have. But no, it make makes it make it about like trying to keep their possessions, not just like. We have nothing, but we we, we love this, this village. Yeah. We, yeah, we love this town. So yeah. yeah, they should just leave. I like where I live, but I don't like it that much. I'll well, tell you that. Right. <laughs> I mean, I mean, in this case, what they should have done is they should have made it about their loved ones being they were captured and yeah. taken to the thing, and they're not going to leave without them. Right. But that's not what they say. They say this is our home. We're not leaving. They yeah, they were just going to keep hanging around there. Right. They yeah. weren't plotting to like try and have a rescue mission. To then go save their loved ones and then leave. Right. They're they just, were just, they're kind of bunkering up because Delane's men keep showing up. And terrorizing their village, yeah. which is what happens here, which is why we have this action sequence. And can you tell me, how did they go and get the plane so fast? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the kind of geography of this, I never really it's understood. Loose. Yeah, because they, they say they drive like nine hours from the plane to that town, right? The, the, the fake town. Yeah. And then Jack Norris tells them, that he says, there's a town near here. He says, there's a town nearby down the road. Yeah, they're good people. They're good people. So let's say, at most, it's an hour drive. <laughs> To, you know, down the road. At some point, you drive far enough, you're no longer down the road. So let's right. say an hour tops. Yeah. So at best, they're eight hours away from this plane. Yeah, you're right. And they just they just oh, they're right they're back. like instantly. It well, fe- it feels a little bit rushed, and I I don't know. I just <laughs> why did they need the plane? So they could crash it into this cave. That's I I'm like I thought the plane was was his thing, and he's just. Just kind of kamikaze it? Well, I think because they, they're kind of spying it from the, a hill nearby, and it's, like, it's too well defended. They'll never get in. So this is their brilliant plan. They're just going to bulldoze their way in with, into this cave with their plane. They're just going to crash it into it. It seems pretty reckless. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, Stallone, uh, I keep forgetting his name in this movie. Barney. Yeah, yeah Barney. For some reason, in, like, in Expendables 2, it's just Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone and Bruce Willis. Like, they almost... To me, it doesn't feel like they're playing characters in this movie. It's just, it's just You're right. But yeah, like he has a plan in the action sequence of the village. He's like, I got an idea, and his brilliant idea is dress up Jason Statham as a monk, and which kills a couple of guys, <laughs> and that's it. What a great well, plan, Barney. Maggie was dressed up as uh, somebody with a cane. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I missed that. So you think they were all disguised as villagers? I think so. yeah. Well, I don't it's know like about three all. amigos. <laughs> I like that. So, like you've never sewn before. <laughs> See, the thing is, is, they only show those two disguised. And I wonder if it's they couldn't find clothes that would fit the rest of them. <laughs> Maybe. Because can you imagine in that village finding anything that would fit Terry Crews? <laughs> no. Yeah, no. I didn't notice she was disguised. She was, because she uses like her cane to like, hook one guy and then throws it at him. Because oh. she has a, a fighting sequence in there, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All joking aside, I think the only way there would be clothes that would fit... <laughs> Is Statham and her. The rest of them, I don't, I don't think there would be clothes in that village that would fit those guys. There's only one monk's robe? You don't, you don't think they could have... Uh... No, I just don't think there would be any monk's robes that would be big enough to hide Stallone or Cruz. It would be clear. Well, it's a robe, so at worst case scenario, they're Academic just Academic like... and judicial robes? <laughs> worst case scenario, it's just the robe gets cut off at their knees, and you know, they're like, their calves are sticking out from underneath the robe. Yeah, but then they'd see those big muscular calves, and they know that's not a priest. Well, sure, but at least it'd buy him a couple of seconds. It's not like they really did anything with these disguises. He immediately <laughs> reveals did, himself. Did I was going to say. Jason Statham had to deliver his one-liner. It's the only the reason. The lasts like a second. The only reason he's in disguise is for the line. That's true, yeah. <laughs> that's actually what Stallone's idea. I got a great idea for a one-liner. <laughs> I now pronounce you man and knife. Do you have any monk's robes? It won't work unless we wear monk's robes. 
Oh, we only have one. Okay, you stay them, you do it. Lee, you, you <laughs> deliver the line because you're the knife guy. <laughs> right. That was his actual idea. He got an idea for a one-liner. <laughs> and then they, they backwards constructed their, their strategy, their military strategy, to fit around the one-liner that he Because he of. liked the zinger so yeah. much. <laughs> I love this idea. I've been working on this one for days. This needs to be in our theoretical Last Action Hero 2 that we keep writing. Yes. This is a scene Man and knife. where we're... No, we're just like... Someone thinks of a one-liner and then has to like backwards like re- construct a scenario in which they can deliver the one-liner. I, I, I got this idea about a, one that involves a cow. Can we get a cow into this battlefield? So then I can kill him with the cow, and I can say my cow one-liner. You know what I mean? Like something preposterous. I, so to me, I, I'm envisioning this. Now this is way too serious, but I'm envisioning. Tom Hanks in Saving Private Ryan when he's coming up with the battle plan, the sequence, right, to defend the defend the bridge, and then if they have to blow it up, but, right. it, but it's in an action movie that he he comes up with this idea, and the entire then defense strategy comes from that one liner is what the the defense strategy for the the village has basically become. Right, if totally on board. I want to see that in Last Action Hero too. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, this is basically what they. I mean, this is certainly what the filmmakers did. Yeah, I got this idea. I now pronounce you man and knife. How can we get that in the movie? I got to figure out a way to shoehorn this in. He's disguised as a monk. Anyway, yeah. So uh, they crash into this mine, which is Barney's other brilliant plan. Yeah, maybe he had a one-liner involved for crashing, and then he, it was, they were just so, you know, it's, it was so rough that he forgot to deliver his line. <laughs> yeah. So then, of course, the, the the mine gets blown up, and they they get buried. They're, it looks like they're going to be buried alive. Uh, well, they are buried alive, right? I mean, at least they're I trapped. I guess, yes, they're, they're trapped, but they're not dead yet. You're right. Buried alive probably is the right phrase. Yeah. And Gunner's going to make a bomb. Yeah, and if he fails, I like the fact that that didn't work. It just fizzles. It's just, you know. I, I actually, I think I laughed at that pretty hard in theaters, too. Yeah. As soon as that doesn't work. Oh, by the way, I noticed that uh, they're trapped in this mine, presumably with a limited amount of air, and Barney's just smoking a cigar. Down no, yeah, he's, and he's opening his lighter and like lighting right. it. It's like, that doesn't seem like that's a very good use he of oxygen. To, he just wants to accelerate the process. Just, yeah. Let's get this over with. So can I ask you this? Trench comes to save the day. Mm-hmm. Did he get his equipment from Mr. Freeze, or did he get it from Mars? Okay, yeah, Benny. In Total Recall. Did he yeah. get it back? I couldn't thank you, Benny. I have it in my notes. It looks, I, it looks a lot like Benny's drill, for sure. I think it, it looks more like that than like... Because uh, Batman, his Batman and Robin drills are just like a cone, right? Yes. It was like those drills in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Remember those? I, yes, that's exactly that's, what it's those like. Those are like that, or it's conical. Whereas this is like the weird... It's got like a big spinning thing and then little like circular things on it. And they so all you're right. Of, it's probably more like Benny's, but you immediately notice that he, he stole this from... Oh, this, this is a this is a total recall drill for sure. Yeah. And he, he says, "I'm back," which uh, I don't know. What do you think about that? Yeah, I didn't like. Yeah, that. I agree. I don't think "I'm back" works just in general. No. He says it in Terminator Three also, and I don't think it works there either. Well, you hated it in Terminator Three. Well, I don't like that movie in general, but I, I just don't think "I'm back" works as a twist on "I'll be back." No. Because it just seems like, you know, I'll be back is so threatening. I'll be back to murder you. You know, that's <laughs> what it means. Whereas "I'm back" just feels like he forgot his keys or something. <laughs> I'm back. Can I come in? I, I, my wallet's inside. You know, like, I'm back. It's just like, hello. <laughs> if, right. But if the premise is I'll be back and when I'm back, something's I, going to happen. Something bad's going to happen. So if you come back and say I'm back, you shouldn't have to say I'm back. The explosion that you <laughs> caused when say, you came back. Your is, action should speak for themselves. Exactly. When you when you come back, it sh- there should be no words. You should not be saying I'm back. It just feels very weak. I, I never like I'm back. I agree with you. But before he's back, or after he's back, you get more Van Damme riding in a car with sunglasses, by the way. That's true. Now they're, they're heading to the airport. They've got the plutonium out. 
Yeah, it's fine. And they're going to take. They're just going to drive to a commercial airport with this stuff. Sure. No problem. <laughs> I mean, this is Albania. I guess you know security is kind of lax at this airport. Well, to be fair, they they come in and take it over with machine guns. Like they eventually, basically, but I don't think that was the plan. Oh, you don't think so? No, because they drive the truck through it. They drive a truck into the airport into yes, the lobby. Yes, because Stallone is there with guns is right. the only reason why. No, I think that what <laughs> they're going to go through security and try to <laughs> check their plutonium. <laughs> You know? <laughs> what if it had gotten lost? What if it had gone to the wrong place? Oh, that'd be great. I don't think. I, I think their plan was always to take over. To the hijack airport. the airport? Yeah, I think so. All right. I mean, they brought a lot of guys with them. Like, those guys are not all getting on a single commercial flight. They're not, and none of those guys are going to be alive either by the end of this. No, and none of those guys can fit in the trucks that they brought. They brought four trucks. Two of the trucks had the plutonium on it, and two of the trucks are full of guys. Two transport trucks? What do you think each truck carries? 30 guys? That would be my guess. I promise you more than 60 guys die <laughs> in this action sequence. I would guess 60 guys in each cut probably die. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, just a shot of the terminal, and just guys are falling everywhere. <laughs> it's probably about 60 guys. Yeah, definitely. All right, so let's just get into it. Let me just say. Well, can we, do you want to get into the, the action sequence? Because I want to talk about Bruce Willis coming back into the movie. All right, let's talk about that first. Because I think that scene is bonkers. Like, it feels like all three of them, Stallone, Schwarzenegger, and Bruce Willis, on the day, they all decided to rewrite their dialogue, and then they got on the set, and so none of their dialogue matched, and nothing was responding to what the other person is saying. I, I that that we, whole conversation is so bizarre. What is like, the conversation? Here, I, I wrote that some of it down. Where he goes, Arnold says, "It's not over yet," and Stone goes, "What? <laughs> That's right." And then there's a five second pause <laughs> as, as they wait for Bruce Willis to drive up, who I think missed his cue. <laughs> and just I don't know, it, just none of it. Nothing. I didn't think about that. Every person says something that is not a response to something that the other person said. And this is the point where somebody needed to have a Planet Hollywood jacket on. But Bruce Willis should have yes. driven up in Planet Hollywood jacket. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. This this movie for sure. This missed, was a missed opportunity. Yeah, they missed the boat on the Planet Hollywood. I mean, it occurred to me after we recorded the last episode, but it, was Planet Hollywood even open at this point? Like, I think they had gone out of business, right? Oh, no, yeah. It's, it's, it's been out of business for a long time. For, okay. It was bankrupt probably a decade ago. So now. maybe that's maybe if Planet Hollywood was still an active business, they would have shoehorned it in because they I, wanted to promote it. But. No, even without that, it, the fact of how many lines from their movies and the fact that they're making, you know, making jokes of how old they are and that they should be in a museum yeah. at the end of the movie. They say they should be in a museum. That absolutely would have been appropriate. Well, I agree. It should have been in the movie. I'm saying my speculation is if Planet Hollywood was still in business, they would have made oh, sure to without fit a it doubt. in yes. so that they could promote it. I'm yeah, saying, there's you know, no doubt about that. Um, but yeah, they should have done it. I agree. All right. So <laughs> what do you want to talk about I here? Just, what I want to talk about is this is insane. You have, the, I mean, you open it up, a truck, Drives through the airport. Plutonium is spilling everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I, I appreciate it. Well, also, the, the, the expendables are shooting at these trucks yes, full of plutonium. It's so reckless. Yeah, it's very reckless. It's like no one, it doesn't even come up. Nobody even asked the question, like, should we be shooting should, at this plutonium? No, just fire away. The, the shot, because you know, the, the heroes take helicopters to get there first, and they're yeah. kind of waiting for them. There's a shot where they're all kind of lined up with their guns. Again, I think maybe because we talked about Statham in the last episode, and now I have this, I have this idea in my head that he's got such an ego that you know he's lying about his age, etc. Yeah. The shot of it's it's eight of them, I think. It's Stallone, Bruce Willis, Schwarzenegger in the yeah. front, and then the rest of those guys are in the background, or at least are supposed to be. 
Statham is on the left. Is and he I, cheating his way I up? I think he has cheated his way way He's trying to put himself on the same plane as, <laughs> the, the, top as three. the top three. I think I think he definitely cheated and came because he's way closer. Well, you know what? He's kind of like in the middle. He's kind of like in his own little area. Even if your your theory about Statham is incorrect, doesn't that fit the character of Lee Christmas, though? I mean, that that 100% would be that character. I guess so. I mean, he, he's definitely like... Uh, Barney's second in command, yeah, so you'd like, probably no, feel slighted. I belong up there. Who are these two jokers? Right, these guys, we I don't even know who these guys, well, I, they don't know who Trench is. Yeah. But Statham doesn't know who Church is. He's never no. met this guy. Like, who are these guys? Right. I should be up there at the front. Yeah, that's probably what it is. But I think it has more to do with Statham. I think when they were filming this, he, Statham... His, his mark is like 20 feet back, and he's just slowly been inching his way right. forward. And he probably got yelled at. It's like, we're doing another take. Jason, stop coming up. He's like, all right, I won't do it this time. And then he keeps doing it. And, you know, he's like, I'm making sure. They're, they're not going to get a take with me way in the background. No. I'm, be, he's, I'm in he's, the middle tier. I am not being in the back tier. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm probably projecting. Like, I don't know. Like, I just... From now on, I'm just going to assume that Jason Statham is just... His ego is driving everything he does on screen and i so i do i i appreciate your your kind of note and thought that norris for the line to really really hit home of thanks for showing up shouldn't show back up but i do like that he just shows up here in a little bit more of i think it's the good bad and the ugly right yeah i meant to talk about that like i, I don't understand why that's the cue they use i guess, I guess just, it's that's in their mind that's like the, the music cue of like a badass yeah that's what i think it is but it's like what if Clint Eastwood is in the fourth movie or something? Now they've burned the good, the bad, and the ugly theme. I'm, they can't well, use it for him. I was going to say, and you probably really make because they burn it on Chuck Norris. Yeah, yeah, uh, yes. You've <laughs> hit the nail on that. You've pinpointed what bothers me. We talked about it like a half hour ago now, but you, that, that's exactly right. Thank you. <laughs> Chuck Thank Norris. you. You've pinpointed what bothers me so much is they used the music from the good, the bad, and the ugly, a great movie starring a great actor who is a, you know, and, and, and to. Implicitly put Chuck Norris on Clint Eastwood's level by using his music. Yeah, wow. And as you as you establish, Chuck Norris sucks. He does suck. I stand by that. Is that going to be the title of this episode? <laughs> I mean, maybe. He wears dumb hats that make no sense. <laughs> so I, I enjoy him in this, but I think I said this when we walked out of the theater. The smart car. I'm telling you, I loved. Every minute of it, yeah, I and I loved it even more this time around. It's, it's great. The it's fact really that funny. the door gets ripped off, and then the inferiority complex of Bruce Willis that he feels like he needs to get rid of the door. And, <laughs> oh, yeah, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> and then, but he knocked the this door This is off. one where I think Arnold, he really is selling it, because I have shoes that are bigger than the sky, yeah, or something like that. That is a classic Arnold line. Oh, yeah, this is his bread and butter. Yes. Action comedy, Like he's going to he's gonna destroy this. <laughs> he knocks it out of the park in this. Although, I, I'm not... I'm not as crazy. I like it mostly, but I think it's just awkward of them going like, he's like, I'll be back. And Bruce Willis goes, you've been back enough. I'll be back. And he goes, yippee-ki-yay, and rolls his eyes. Like, I like that, but you've been back enough. That is a meaningless <laughs> sentence. You're right. <laughs> you know, like, what is that? You've been back enough makes no sense. It is a little bit too much dialogue and shoehorned in. I would be okay if it wasn't there. I, I, yeah, I'm fine with them quoting each other's yeah. catchphrases and things. It's just very clunky. But this makes me even more annoyed with the Planet Hollywood thing. If you were gonna go, if you're gonna go that far of having them using each other's lines, give me the Planet Hollywood. That is yeah. so so meta, but would have been so perfect. Yeah, and then Chuck Norris comes up and he goes, "Who's next, Rambo?" Yeah. Which would make more sense if Barney was there and he saw Stallone. But why is he? He's putting Chuck Norris on Rambo's level now. <laughs> 
Chuck Norris sucks. He does not deserve any of this. He is not Rambo. He was never as cool What's, as Rambo. But you're right, but what's so funny is that you will admit that this cameo is awesome. He may not deserve it, you're right. but it does work, and you know it works. I guess what really irks me is he has not earned his place because just by happenstance, by a quirk of an internet meme, yeah. somebody at some point 15 years ago decided, I want to put Chuck Norris's name in my joke here. And that it somehow it spread, and Chuck Norris... You're right. The only reason he's in this movie is because of an internet meme that was totally arbitrary. They could have made it Charles Bronson. They I was going to say, it could have been Charles Bronson. It could have been Steven Seagal. It could have been Jean-Claude Van Damme. Right. It could have been any of them. It literally is no reason why he ended but up you, you, just random you change. You do know that, and we've already talked about it, but some of the reason is because I think that that person who started that meme... Because he, they knew he sucked. They, it was somebody like you that knew that he sucked and that the joke only worked because it was Chuck Norris. Maybe that's... Yeah, I guess it's inevitable. Whoever else it would have been would have also It could have sucked. been Steven Seagal, because Steven Seagal kind of sucks. Too. Oh, he definitely sucks. I, I dislike him more than I dislike Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris is fun bad. Like, you go back and you watch some old Chuck Norris movies, it's just yeah. like, there's, there's some comedy to be and, he, and Steven Seagal seems like a total dirtbag, you know, nasty guy. Chuck, I don't, I don't know, but I haven't seen anything that Chuck Norris doesn't seem like a bad guy. Yeah, I don't really know. He's very conservative, but I don't know what kind of yeah. conservative he is. These days, that can mean all sorts of things, and you know, I, I don't, I don't know anything about him either. But I, I do know that he's he's very political. I know that, but that doesn't make him a bad guy, obviously. I, and this will be the last Chuck Norris, but I enjoyed the kill when the <laughs> he shoots the guy, and the guy is then just going through the X-ray machine. For some reason, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, one. that's good. I liked it. A little bit of a ripoff of Total Recall. But yeah, but I mean, and he, this also, it, I, I'm. Miss it a little bit. This too, the variety in terms of like staging and stepping things up, mm-hmm. really, really well done. Yeah, it's great. I mean, you've got like little mini action sequences going on all around the airport. You've got Dolph Lundgren kicking guys off a of balcony, going goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> that makes me laugh a lot. <laughs> it made me laugh, and also made me. I have a note that oh, it's it's nice to see Dolph is actually chipping in because there's so many guys at this one where the other one he's kind of haphazardly. Chipping in a little. This one, he's actually doing some damage. Oh, yeah. Everyone gets at least one moment, you know, because, again, the last movie, it's like some guys just disappeared for huge swaths of action sequences. Yeah. Um, you know, Randy Kutcher. He's, he's, Randy Kutcher is still probably the least representative of all these guys. Without a doubt. Um, but he still he gets a kill or two. He's, it's, just, he's it, in there. He's mixing it up. The first one, he had a lot, lot more going. Because he squares off against Austin. I mean, Kutcher has a lot more in the first one. This one, he's barely in it. Yeah, that's true, I guess. I guess it's because I'm doing a body count and he's mostly like pummeling people, so he's yes. not racking it up as much. So then you basically then get to where you knew it had to go, and that's what this is a classic action movie. You had a number two and a number one, and you knew they eventually had to square off. When you say number two and a number one, well, you, you mean you state each, Lee, Lee, you know, Lee is kind of the number two, and he, right, okay. yeah, he yeah. goes against the number two, you know, the henchman. Yeah, which is a great action sequence. It I is, forgot how good that was. It is really good. Yeah, and when he's killing all of the guys, like guards, and um, this is this is where I really noticed and was impressed by Statham. Just to, who knows? Maybe it's a stunt double, but I don't think so. I think it's you know he, I think he's really good at this sort of thing. Yeah, and I, I I like the brass knuckles coming back out, and you can't beat a classic. I think is a really good punctuation for this sequence. Yeah, I feel like that should have they could have been some kind of a a pun here, but you can't beat a classic. It's fine. And I, I like, too, that, I mean, this so much in this movie that you know what the setup is immediately. Billy, you knew, was toast. As soon as there's a helicopter there with blades, where it was, it was just a question of how long is it going to take in terms of them fighting for 
him the, the guy to wind up in the helicopter blade, right? I mean, it wasn't oh, even... Definitely. Right. It, that's what I love is they realize what they are and that, yes, it's trite and cliche, but we're, we're going to do it anyway. Oh, you got to do it. Yes. I mean, if, if a helicopter blade is spinning, yes. if two guys are fighting and there's a blade spinning, I mean, they've been, plenty of movies have done this. This is Raiders of the Lost Ark. Like, it's been done a million times, but so what? No, but that, what I'm saying is that you know what the setup is. They set it up and they're going to do it. Yeah. I give them credit. They know what this movie is and what the audience wants. Oh, sure. It would be unsatisfying. They know that. It's like, yeah, they're, this is a crowd-pleasing movie, and they're, they're doing their jobs. So, yeah, let's get to the, the main event. Stallone and Van Damme. I really like Van Damme in this sequence. Yeah, he's great. I love that he's acting like he knows he's in a movie. He's like, let's make the lighting more dramatic. Bang, yes. bang, bang. <laughs> you know? That's, there's a little bit. I mean, he's, he's not as good. But there's a little bit of Charles Dance. There, there's a little yeah, bit yeah. of Benedict in this. And, yeah, I, and I like that. Where he's he's playing to the movie audience yes. almost as much as he's playing to to Barney. Yeah, and then later he's like, "I want my money's worth." <laughs> you know, he, it's, he almost knows like he's that he's in a movie. It seems like it. Yes, yeah, it's great. And I I, I think what set this movie apart from the first one was I, it's two things: the fact that it's not trying to be serious and take itself seriously is is the biggest one. Yeah, but. Whether it's Van Damme or they just gave him more, the difference between him and, him and Eric Rodder, it's, it's night and day. And I, I think right. the, the villain is what makes this movie. Yeah, and it's easy to say, oh, well, Van Damme is more a physical. He's an action star, and of course, he could stand toe-to-toe with Stallone. But I think it's more than that. I think it's because the movie is just better structured, and these two have met and have a pre-existing relationship. Yeah. So that they can have this animosity, and like as an audience... You want to see them fight, whereas who cares in the first movie? Who cares about Eric Roberts? Like, don't... <laughs> There's, there's nothing to set that up. And so when we first saw this in theaters, because this opens up, Stallone just pummels Van Damme in the first, like, 15 to 20 seconds. Yeah, he goes right to the body, which is interesting. Yeah. And maybe wonder if Van Damme didn't want his, he's like, don't hit me in the face, you know. <laughs> my eyes, you see, yeah, right. my eyes don't hit me in the face. Yeah. Because, yeah, he's just, he's just going right to the ribs the whole time. And so uh, when, we, when we saw this in theaters, I thought that they were going to do the exact opposite of what I just said, which they set up the helicopter blade, and you knew it was going to get used. I thought they were going to take this. This is going to be one of those like Mission Impossible two where they have like a twenty minute fist fight sequence. When I first, I'm like, oh, are they going to are they going to flip this where literally Stallone just pummels and destroys him <laughs> right. in like thirty seconds? That's what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> I mean, has, it has that ever tur- been done? I wonder. I don't know if it has been. I I kind of like would like a movie to do that where you think it's going to be no. This guy is just toast. Oh, I feel like there's something. I mean, they kind of do that in again in Indiana Jones where. There's the guy with the sword, and he does a bunch of like sword tricks, and then Indiana Jones just shoots, shoots him. him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a little bit like that. It's a little like that. Oh, that's not the end of the movie, though. That's, that, like, that's what I'm saying. I would like it where you think that this has been the big... And most people would just complain and say, that's terrible. You set this animosity up, and then the payoff is the guy just gets destroyed in like 10 seconds. Well, you also could have done it at the moment where uh, Villain's like, I'm out of bullets, and you know, he could, so just, just, <laughs> could just shoot him. Yeah, <laughs> Barney just... Well, he, uh, Villain says... What is it? Something about a man and a sheep. Yeah, you want to be a man? You want to kill me like a man? Kill me like a man or like or a sheep. sheep. But it's like, aren't you the sheep in this scenario? If he kills you, you're the sheep. Well, I can say that given that choice, I would have been, I would have been a sheep because I would not have fought him hand to hand. Well, he has no compunction about killing him. <laughs> so why is he making this a fair fight? I mean, it's just like, you know. It's, it's the hero, so that's what he has to do. Yeah. It's just, he, he's got to show. It's that, a good payoff, because I, I think this is a really good fight sequence. From the beginning, like I said, I honestly thought Stallone was just going to pummel him in 30 seconds and be done. Yeah. 
But you get a couple of kicks in there, which of course you had to have. I love the back-to-back roundhouse kicks. He kicks up and then still into something. He's like, oh, back up. And like, right back down again. And he just kicks him again. <laughs> it's like, did the movie repeat? Did I hit like skip? And like, it's, it's almost the exact same no, shot. It's another roundhouse kick. I really like that. Something about that is really funny to me. So you, you don't see that in movies where it's just like, I'm just going to do this. It's, it's, like, it's like Street Fighter. She's like, I'm just going to keep throwing fireballs I'm until you figure out how to stop it. <laughs> Thank you. That's what I was going to say. Van Damme's going to keep doing his roundhouse kick. Until Stallone figures out how to, how to combat Arukin, 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 <laughs> right. Until you stop it I'm going right. to keep doing it until you figure it out That's exactly what it is That actually would be an interesting take On an action sequence too The the guy, your, your opponent, can't figure out the move So you keep doing the same move Oh, that reminds me Because now I'm just wishing they had made an Expendables fighting game Where just like, you know, a Street Fighter style uh, that would be an awesome one. Oh, that would be fighting. fun. I'm glad this came up because I totally forgot. There is. I know there's a video game because it was on the trailer to the DVD version I had. I love the commercial of the Expendables 2 video game. I don't know. I don't know if we're done talking about the movie or not. But I'm gonna. I mean, that's all. I, does the the ending sequence matter? I mean, we already talked about them. The museum joke. I mean, that's pretty much the movie, right? And then, well, no, I guess Sophie Billy's. Fian- yeah. I don't know if it was fiance or girl girlfriend, but maybe fiance. Yeah, I think fiance gets a box of money. And yeah. American currency. I remember us talking about that on the way out, yes. of, out of the theater when we saw it. It's like, she's got all this American money. How's, where's she going to change that? Uh, where do you change, you know, dollars into euros and that volume that isn't suspicious? I was, was going to say that she's immediately going to be arrested for being a money launderer. Right. Where did this money come from? You know, does she, she have to pay taxes on that? When yes. She, yeah, when she changes it to euros. Yeah, there's that. And then uh, another weird poem. The, the poem in the first one was a lot more fun than this one. Yeah, this is like their trip. It's a tribute to Billy or yeah. something. I guess that stuff, because it's like boobale, boobale, boom, or whatever. I guess that's a reference to, it's like a 1912 poem called The Congo. And I looked it up. It's like a paraphrase of this poem called The Congo. Oh, I and definitely I looked, wouldn't have known that. I didn't know it either, but I looked up, I found the poem, and a little racist, this poem. Oh, so I don't know if they should be, I mean, I don't know if Stallone really knew. Yeah, what it was referencing. There's also a song in the director's cut called Boomalay Boom, which I don't know again if that's a reference to this poem or I don't, I don't even know. You know, on some of that stuff, though, it's hard sometimes if you don't really like read and think about things. When you pull stuff from the first half of the, 19, uh, the 20th century, yeah. you know, because right now, you know, it's getting to be Christmas time. And I, I know Key and Peel had made this joke, but I had made it even when I was younger that I'm not saying you pull the song, you don't play it anymore. But, you know, baby, it's cold outside. The song's a little rapey, actually. If you really look at the oh, lyrics. Really? I don't know if I've yeah, ever, ever really. Yeah, it kind of is. What's in this drink? I mean, wow. really go look at the lyrics. Hmm. Again, I, it's, it's a different lens, right? It's a different time. And I'm not saying, like, oh, you should pull the song and it should never be played again. Right. And Key and Peele made a joke about it, right? You know, it's a different time or whatever. And But I, it's like, yeah, sometimes you got to really. Let, let's think about. Let's think about these things in the current lens of what people would say. Well, you can change the lyrics. Like, do it, you know, songs get updated and things get updated. They do, but you know, to me, I, I'm, I, I'm not advocating for that. What I'm saying is that if, if they pulled from something from 1912, you know, you probably need to spend some time looking at it because things were a lot different and per- yeah. or perspectives are a lot different today. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, I don't know much about the poem. I just read it and went like, you know, so may- maybe there's some kind of like, maybe it was intended to be a critique of the kind of, cause basically the poem is about when you're in the Congo, be careful because there are, you know, like cannibals who will go and eat you. Yeah. And won't it be nice when 
all of Africa is good Christians like us. That's basically what the poem is about. Yeah. But I, but maybe that's like some, some kind of like, maybe the poem itself is a criticism of that kind of a, it's might, hard, it's hard to know without any context. I just read the poem. Maybe, I, but probably not. Yeah, probably not. I read the poem. That, I, I went yikes and I kind of, I walked, I was like, I'm walking <laughs> away from this. I, I guess that's what I'm getting at is you have to be careful if you're taking from source material, right? That's from the first half of the 20th century. And think about it in the current, a current lens, I guess all I'm saying to Stallone, if he's listening to our podcast. That said, I want to see this commercial since you said uh, that. It, <laughs> I don't know if we can transition because I just I enjoy how goofy and, and preposterous this commercial is. I want to see after it that conversation. Did you play the game? No, it looks terrible. Oh, the game looks. <laughs> Wake your bitch ass! <laughs> just Terry Crews and Dolph Lundgren just berating the camera for like an hour or a minute. Not an hour. Three point four. Million bullets fired. <laughs> That's probably accurate. <laughs> destroyed compounds. Terry Crews earned his money. Insurgents. <laughs> this commercial shoot. Three times. <laughs> Man, he's really selling it. This guy earns his money. Terry Crews does. <laughs> and then the rest is footage of the video game, which which looks terrible. <laughs> Terry Crews, man, you talk, want to talk about someone who commits... Like, that guy, he was earning every dollar for that I, commercial. I can't imagine he was paid much to be in that commercial, and he is giving it his all. <laughs> Terry Crews. Terry Crews is great. <sighs> I wish he was in these movies more. I as would, much as I like, you know, Stallone and Schwarzenegger and Bruce Willis is fine, I suppose. But, you know, Terry Crews, it's like, I almost would like have a spinoff with like him and, and Dolph and Jet Li and just like give them their due. Maybe maybe here's what we should propose. When The Rock gets his spinoff in the Fast franchise, he should bring Terry Crews along. I think he should be. Uh, Terry Crews would be a great fit in the Fast and Furious I, movies. I, 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 yes, I agree. He's the exact correct level of beefy dude who also has a lot of like irony and, and yeah. is self-aware. Like He's basically like The Rock, but not quite as not charismatic. As big, or, yeah, yeah, not as charismatic and not as big of a star. I think right. he would be perfect. On a member of the Rock's team in that spinoff from the Fest uh, for, oh, what's that character's name? The Rock's character? Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. What is his name? All I can think of is Trench and Church. <laughs> like I'm, I'm, in, I'm too much in Expendables mode right now. I'm disappointed that you haven't played that game because it seems like most video games we talk about you've played, even if they were bad at some point. I, I play a fair amount of video games, but this looks like a cheap. Like it, it looks like a cash in. Like they're you know a tie in to a movie, especially in like 2012. Like they've it never seems like they've that never stuff is kind of fallen by the wayside. Oh, it's definitely it? fallen by the wayside. Like those kinds of things were never good video games, but now usually what they do is they make it a phone game. So oh, like, I in 2012, even even by then it was really rare. A phone game, really? Oh yeah. Oh, there's tons of phone tie ins. Like I guarantee you, there's a Justice League phone game <laughs> that you can play right now. <laughs> Can you tell me what you would do on the Justice League phone game? Uh, okay, here's my pitch for the Justice League phone game. You are Alfred, and you are managing the team as they're out, and it's just like, it's some kind of like a puzzle game where you have to like... <laughs> you're Alfred. Yeah, you're Alfred. Because if the conceit is, I'm using my phone to communicate with the heroes and telling them what to do and giving them instructions... And then it'll be like, Superman, please don't let the city be destroyed again. <laughs> Oops, I, I wasn't paying attention. Because oh. Henry Cavill Superman can't help but destroy every city he's in. 
And uh, prominently in Smallville, Kansas, there are many Sears for him yes. to destroy. I think it was Lowe's, but uh, whatever oh, and it was. International House of Pancakes. That's yes. There's a whole fight in the International House of Pancakes. I don't even know if Superman's in that movie. I, I, that's not a spoiler. I don't know, but I assume he is. Uh, I don't know, and I'm not sure if I'll find out. I'll see it when it's again. I, I hate myself, so when it's on streaming, <laughs> I will watch Justice League. But I have no plans to see it in theaters. Well, sure. here's the thing: is that uh, I'd like uh, I'd like to say I'm glad that we decided to do these movies because I really should have watched this again more recently. This was so much fun. Don't speak too soon because next is Expendables three. Is it really bad? I only saw it the one time. Is it worse than the first one? Yes. Oh, that's disappointing. Well, well, I'll, you can make up your own mind, but yes. It does have the most star-studded cast, though. So we're, I know you. Were we talking about? I think we were talking about when we were recording that you know, they barely the pictures. Yeah, that was on the show. Yeah, yeah. like it's 20, twenty. Well, so we're going to lose Chuck Norris, yeah. and we're going to lose Bruce Willis, but we're going to gain a Harrison Ford. We're going to gain a Mel Gibson. We're going to gain a Wesley Snipes. We're going to gain a Rodney Rousey, uh, and probably one or two other people. I'm forgetting. Snipes was the only one that I was excited about. I, I think you're going to be disappointed. I was disappointed. That's what you told me, is that I was going to be disappointed, which kind of stinks. I mean, it's, it's, he just gets crowded out. When you're adding you know, Harrison Ford and, uh, and Mel Gibson, Mel Gibson and, uh, I think there's somebody else I'm forgetting. Well, well, it has to do with the plot also. We'll talk about it next episode. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it'll be better than I remember. But it's Probably only been not. two years. That movie came out pretty recently. And I don't think my opinion will have changed. I'm going to guess, too, based on it, that there are not going to be any more of these movies. So there was an Expendables 4 in production, but it seems like that is... Kind of died. Well, here's what I was reading about. It seems like there was a dispute between Stallone and the studio about the direction to go in. And so Stallone walked, and the studio said, well, to hell with you. We'll do it without you. And everybody involved... I was going to say, all the actors said, I won't do it They said, Stallone. we're not doing it without Stallone. Yeah. Which I, I think... It's probably right. It's interesting... I don't, I don't know if that says something about Stallone where it's like these guys are People walking like, away from yeah, a payday. Like, like working with them. Because of you know they, their loyalty to him. So I don't know. It, it seems like it's not going to happen now, Expendables 4. But well, he's getting old, too. So. Yeah, I don't, I don't need any more Expendables movies. You know, I, it, it was a fun idea, but I think it's, time has come and gone. We got Expendables 2 out of it. So you know, if, if this was the only Expendables movies that, movie that had ever existed, I would be perfectly satisfied with it. I'd be okay with that, too. Anyway, you want a body count? Yes, I absolutely want the body count. Okay, so opening sequence and closing sequence account for like 80% of the total. Yeah. So opening sequence at 169, like we said. Yeah. Uh, closing sequence at the airport at 106. So it's 275 just between those two action the, sequences alone. The airport was less than the opening? Yeah. I never would have guessed that. It felt like there was like, I'm serious. It's those dudes on the bridge. I guess you're right. That's like 66 guys <laughs> blow up in one shot. <laughs> Except for the, you and me who escaped to do this podcast. Yes. Actually, it's pretty close with that because it, it was 66, and if you subtract that, the opening sequence would have 103, wow. and the closing sequence would have 106. <laughs> but you say that like it's a low number, like only 106? Like Commando, the entire dude Commando is 106. <laughs> This is just one action sequence. Like it's, it's like insane. a ten minute long action sequence. It's one hundred and six body count. That's insane. So total for the entire movie, and this is maybe it's yeah, an estimate. It's, it's less accurate. I, I have less confidence in this number than, any, than ever before. But three hundred and forty one. <laughs> so you said triple. I think you were right. I think uh, man, is that what you said? Yeah. Uh, so one hundred sixty one. No, not, it's triple, not quite. But, but it's it's like two and a half. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Or not about two. It's about double. And so that's over 500 then for the two movies. Yes. 
It won't get to 1100, but that's that is insane. Yeah. I was thinking about this. Well, let's get to our breakdowns for the individuals. I was thinking about this of just like someone like Jason Voorhees, and you think about like Jason Voorhees has killed so many people in movies. <laughs> yeah. In one action sequence, you know, like Stallone or Jason Statham is killing more people in like uh, Stallone killed more people in that bridge. I'll bet sixty six. I'll bet Jason Voorhees has not killed sixty six people, <laughs> and that's all, eleven movies. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I, I guarantee you, fire. Right, that war with a single word. Uh, Stallone has killed more people in movies than Jason Voorhees in his entire life. Okay, so let's get down to our breakdown. In the lead, because of that bridge, <laughs> is Sylvester Stallone with 109. He had more, uh, higher body count in this movie than all of Commando. That is crazy. Yeah, although to be fair to Arnold... Stallone killed 66 with a cannon shot out of a plane. <laughs> Technically, Jason Statham is the one pulling the trigger, so it, you could share that. And yeah, if you split it. If you split it, then Arnold still would have the, would be the individual champion because he had 99 in commando. And if you split that, would Statham be ahead of Stallone in this movie too? 33? No, not quite. No, I guess not. Because it would be 33 if you split it, so he'd have... Well, let's, let's, let's get on the list. Well, I guess he is... Oh, no, Chuck Norris is second with 50. But yeah, Jason Statham is not too far behind Chuck Norris. Statham is 41. So that's a lot, you know, considering you'd think like Chuck Norris, he, you would expect him to have by far the most. Yeah. He's not even that far ahead of Jason Statham. No, he's not. I wouldn't have guessed that. I mean, he's not in the movie very much. So, so after that, uh, just ambiguous expendable skills of 35. Uh, I like Jet, Jet Li clocking in at 13, and he's barely in the movie. He really was a wrecking crew. I think that's more than he had last movie. Let's check last movie. Uh, Jet Li had 12 in Expendables 1, and here he's only in the one sequence, and he has 13. So that'll just show you how much of a just bloodbath that opening sequence is. <laughs> yes. All right, let's just go in any order. So Dolph Lundgren at 15, more than, a lot more than his two in the previous yeah. movie. Terry Crews at 28. Randy Kutcher at 10. Once again, bring up the rear. Liam Hemsworth. Uh... 14. Is that his name? Why am I blank? Why, why, why am I doubting that his last name is Hemsworth? No. Chris Hemsworth, Liam Hemsworth. For some reason, it's like, that doesn't sound right, even no. though I know it's right. That's it. Arnold has 10, only in the movie for a short amount of time, so that's you know, not, not bad. He, he beat out Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis has 8. And then uh, Maggie. I should put her actual actor name, but I don't know her actor <laughs> name, so I just put Maggie. So she had 10. And the villains only had 3. Once again, villains <laughs> not getting a lot of bodies here. Nope. I think it's Billy and two guys in the mine. That's, That's it. it. Yeah. You'd think that these, vill- these movies that have villains that are just killing no, people for pleasure. When you, when you really look at it, it's the heroes in this who are the ones who are killing people. Yeah. Out of the, the 300 and whatever total, <laughs> all but three were our heroes. <laughs> so that really tells you something. Uh, but you know what? I still think it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's great. It holds up. Expendables 2 is a f- really fun action movie. And I do think it's an interesting template that I think action movies should use more. Just like, it's interesting that you can make the opening sequence and the closing sequence total nonsense and the middle will still work. More or less. Yeah. You know? Like, you'll still buy it as, as like a plausible, realistic story, even though the bookends are completely crazy. So, yeah. That's the show, I guess. That's the show. So up next for us will be Expendables 3. Expendables 3, which... I'm not looking forward to that. Here's the thing. Like, I think, I think this body count was so brutal. There's so many. I had to pause so much. But at least I was enjoying myself. Yeah. Oh, I, I, don't, I, I don't know if Expendables 3 is that much of a bloodbath. It's PG-13. The first two movies were R, and it's, this one's PG-13. There's a big mistake. Yeah. 
Yeah, we'll talk about it ne- next episode. Yeah, all for the stupid box office. Whatever. Keep well, going. I don't think it worked. But no, I'm sure it didn't. How often does it work? No. Well, I mean, I'm What's sure. What's funny is it's gone in the opposite direction now. Deadpool has changed things, or maybe not changed things, but opened up that, no, you know what? We don't need to just go for a PG-13. You can still make money with I mean, an R rating. I mean, it depends on the movie. Yeah, yeah, I'm I don't not think everything needs to be rated R. I'm just saying that an Expendables movie should not be shooting for a PG-13 rating. Right. You've already established what these movies are yeah. and to change that you know, midstream. and Dumb. Yeah, well, uh, I think there's reasons for that that we'll talk about in the next episode, but right. I'm not going to spoil it for you. All right. Um, so we got to end this episode. Once again, we don't know how to end this episode. Yeah, I do. Tune in uh, for our next episode, which will cover The Expendables 3. Simple enough. Yeah. Look over yonder. What do you see? The sun is rising. Most definitely A new day is coming Ooh, ooh People are changing